sick. <laughs> it's not the, it is not the healed that need his, <laughs> his help. Lost little sheep. What I will say about the Bible that's incredible, look at how well this thing stays open on page 900 of 1200. Like, I read books a lot. Usually, like, you know, I need, like, a cell phone or something to, like, just lay it flat. Yeah. No, this thing is just... And can we talk about why the Bible... Why is the Bible the one book with, like, those super thin pages? Like, can you think of other books that have, like, like these really thin... thin, I get why they did it, like, so that the Bible... Because it's big, so they want it to be compact. I mean, like, look at how tiny this thing is. But why have no other books... Did the... Did christianity like copyright <laughs> thin pages where it was like yo no one else can do super <laughs> thin pages in the book everyone else has to do standard size pages they have a patent on it yeah it's just like fuck everyone else we're the only one who's gonna have a thin book and they also like always have that like that shine on the edge of the pages yeah like the gold they definitely didn't copyright that because i've read some mark twain books that have the shine <laughs> That's Mark a, Twain was not a follower of Jesus. It's a very small Bible. I don't know how you're it's, even reading uh, the, dude, the text I'm gonna, on that. Dude. I'm going to need reading glasses after this because <laughs> of this. Yesterday, my eyes were like bulging out of my head. <laughs> trying to read this gospel. Have you had that Bible for a long time? I have no idea where this Bible came from. I have not cracked it open in, I don't know. But it was in your house. It was on one of my shelves. Yeah. I have a few. Yeah. I have a few just hanging. Because I did not have any Bibles. No Bibles. Yeah. I have like a NIV version. I've got the English English Standard Version. And then I've got one called The Message. You know about The Message? No. What is The Message? The Message is like some dudes in like the late 90s or early 2000s um, decided that they were going to try to translate the entire Bible into just like common like year 2000 English. And there's some moments like where they did okay, but there's a lot of like big swings and big misses. It's pretty hilarious. It's like the kind of shit that a youth pastor used to give out to like, you know, a 13 or 14 year old who's like, I'm just here because my fucking cousin, whatever, like made me, you know, just want to skate in your little (laughs) skate park. And like, I'm just, yeah, yeah, like hit on girls. And they're like, well, why don't you read this? Because they, yeah, the message was trying to be hit. And, and it was called, like, the uprising or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, if you give, if you tell a 14-year-old to read Matthew, that kid, unless that kid's kind of fucked up, that kid's not going to be like, yo, I found Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, no way. Yeah, there's there's right. some really, f- there's a lot of notes that I made where I was like, yo, Jesus, you need to fucking chill right now. Dial it back. Dial it back. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's. That's the whole thing of, like, I feel like you have to be, like, a full, have a full-formed, like, idea of thinking to even comprehend yeah what is happening. Yeah, otherwise you just take book. it literally and, and it's a disaster. Which is why I think, like, none of this really connected to me as a kid. For like sure. Like, growing up, and I guess, I don't know, that leads into why we're kind of doing this podcast. Yeah, let's is talk about like that. Like, we both grew up going to church as kids kind of grew up around it yeah what's uh, your 
I don't know if I've ever really gotten your full story of like. So. Did you ever consider yourself like a a saved Christian? No, and I also grew up up until high school more like in the Catholicism sure realm of things. So I was raised Catholic. Um, Dope. My mom, I'd go to church with her on you're, Sundays. You're okay, right? You never had a, a dude a diddled fiddle. Wild shit, right? I am okay, but I was an altar boy for like several, like I don't know, a couple years. Okay, so but you're all right. I'm. I made it out unscathed. <sighs> okay. Um, but yeah, I would, I did the the Catholic Church thing mostly just with my mom, and uh, had to like the choir on Sundays, all that jazz. Went to CCD, the uh, the weekly education. Okay. That that Catholicism, you know, encourages kids to go to, which leads up to your confirmation to becoming an adult in the church, which I never finished out on on, on the that part. I never. So uh, you were out before you. That's like thirteen, right? Um, yeah, like it's high school. It's okay. So like you, I think maybe like fifteen, you get confirmed. But what are they confirming? Just that your your knowledge to become an adult in the church. Okay. And um and that could be totally wrong. We're going to get a l- I feel like we're going to get a lot oh. of fucking I can hope we just we say do. right now. I, I hope we, we just do say get messages. Right now. Yeah. We have no idea what the fuck we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, this is like purely pure conjecture. Uh, yeah. And we we're just in experiential we're seekers of of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but f- and curious, but by like all yeah. means send us messages. Yeah, we I don't know where to send those messages. Maybe we'll include it in some sort of intro to this episode or in the episode notes you can find like something to send it to because i think that would be really great to just get some some of those messages god i'd love that to uh correct us on all of our nonsense but uh yeah i did the altar boy thing for a couple years maybe from 13 to 15 before i stopped going to church and that was kind of a wild experience Mm. to also just like a lot of pressure to not drop things and yeah of course <laughs> i mean i remember crying when i quit baseball when i was like 16 my dad yeah i was like super upset my dad <laughs> was super upset it was a whole thing yeah. i think that might have been worse than when i like exited christianity i think my dad probably took that a little easier <laughs> <laughs> quitting baseball yeah. was a, ugh. But, so i feel um you. and then after my parents got divorced you know my mom was not um in close proximity i didn't go to church with her anymore on sundays right and then off um, the hook but then started going to like a christian bible study which was like a bunch of punk rock and hardcore kids and i was mostly going just because my girlfriend probably like made me i was i was just like that dude sure for a while you know that was like late high school Late high school, going to this Bible study. That's which like, was like more. That's like more like my world. Fellowship, which was, sure. was very cool. Like all the people that went to this Bible study were, were people I really liked to hang right. out with, and yeah, just people that were in really cool bands that it, that were, that I thought were rad. And For sure. So it was like just good people, but I don't think throughout any of that I really got anything out of the actual message of the Bible. I don't think I was like there yet. Really. To, yeah, I'm so not there was sh- never a reason for you to really hang around if you were just like, I'm not getting anything <laughs> yeah, from I mean, this yeah. Other than cool hangs with cool like, some hangs decent people. And, you know, the 
the acknowledgement of like praying for one another. I think I'm, I definitely maybe got some value in that. I don't know. I don't know how each your, other up. I don't know how your Bible studies went about in, in high school and whatnot. Oh man. Um, but I'm sure you we'll know, there, there, into that. there is like a lot of that where it's just like, Hey, uh, Andrew, what are you going through this week? And then you say what you're going through and, and just like, Hey, who's going to step up and pray for Andrew this yeah. week. And it's just like, all right, well I got Andrew. Let's pray for Andrew and hope that, you know, he has a better week and and that you sure. know, his girlfriend is cool or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. You know, yeah. you're kinda put on the spot to uh for sure. To acknowledge somebody else's like shit. For sure. Um But what about what about you? What what was your <sighs> Well my was journey early? was so much more intense and way longer. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean I grew up in the church. I feel like I didn't take it seriously at all until maybe like freshman year of high school but starting freshman year of high school very like i like found jesus and then that was my life all through high school what what did that like look like for you though like finding jesus i just went to this like i went to this summer camp and i'd been to so many christian summer camps at this point so it's not like this one was like my first one or even particularly special but I think there was just uh, a bunch of really cool, kind of like older people there and counselors and stuff. And uh, yeah, some older folks that like I really vibed with and got along with. And I feel like I had, I did have an experience, you know, like I had um, my first maybe like mystical experience of feeling connected to something bigger than me even if that was just like this community of people. And I think coming out of middle school where I felt so disconnected from everything, having moved and being like, just kind of like bullied and like a little bit of like an outcast. um, Yeah. Like finally feeling like, Oh, I've like found a group was in its own way for a 15 year old mind, like transcendent and mystical in and of itself. So from that point on, like I was on board and it's funny because that's that community. I didn't even make it with them past like freshman year i ended up like switching to a different church because i wanted to play music and there was a cooler church to play music (laughs) at so um yeah and then yeah a lot of church was just like through high school was just like playing in the worship band i was playing in like the youth group band i was playing in like the the main service band from time to time which i went to like this big mega church so the main service band was like a full-on rock band so you're playing like these killer gear all, yeah. all the dopest gear yeah, for and music. And the aquarium on stage sh- for the would, drums. We would play, yeah, <laughs> definitely the aquarium. And like each service would be like a thousand to fifteen hundred people, and we would do six services on the weekends. Damn. So it was like, yeah, for a high school kid who wanted to play music live, it was like, well, this is kind of the shit. Because I'm just like playing a sold out show six times a weekend <laughs> as opposed to or even like playing in the in the youth group. You know, you're still playing to like hundreds of kids, you know. So. I just wanted to play music. You're cool people. at church. You're like that. I was like such a loser in high school. I feel like I had a few friends from baseball, but I mostly just kind of like kept to myself, did my thing. I was dating a girl that like didn't go to the school. Um. But I was the absolute shit at youth group, hundred percent. Because not only was I like in the in the youth group band or whatever, uh, and like, yeah. So and I, and playing guitar, um, but I was also a middle school 
like youth group leader in high school, which is hilarious that the church would allow that. <laughs> would allow a 17-year-old to like be the group leader of a bunch of 12-year-olds. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever. But I did that for two years until I went to college. And you would just teach like things out of the Bible? Yeah, it was, kids? you know, so like here's here's where it starts to crumble. Daniel (laughs) is where it really starts to fall apart. You know, um, any church is going to teach you, but especially like American evangelical Christianity is like put on, don your purity ring and don't touch your dick or any, any private parts and don't touch each other and save it till marriage. It's It's a lot of guilt about a lot of guilt. So here I am counseling these young men, fielding their, puberty driven questions about their own fucking you know math class boners or whatever and me telling them you know repeating whatever bullshit had been taught to me meanwhile like i'm gonna like go back and have sex with my girlfriend immediately after this (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just living like a total double life you're the hypocrite a total double life a hundred percent hypocrite yeah absolutely (laughs) and there was so much guilt about that i mean like you're talking about like these prayer groups or whatever like i remember in high school i had an accountability group with like two other close like Christian friends and one of our like male youth leaders. And this was like, we get together every week and it was kind of like a deeper spiritual practice than like a Bible study even. Cause it was like, yeah, we're going to dive deeper into our own shit. The things that we don't like about ourselves things that we're perceiving that we're doing wrong with our lives, our sins, whatever. It's it's like the purpose of like a men's group sort or, of, or any of those types of groups where sort of. a lot of, but it was very, it was hyper-focused on as like American evangelical Christianity is hyper-focused on like what, where are you sinning? Where's their most sin in your life? Yeah. Which if you're a high school straight dude, everywhere is probably <laughs> going to be like mostly focused on like tits and asses yeah. and like, yeah, how that relates to your member. So that was, I mean, that, that whole group for me was me lying through my teeth every week, Dude. just being like, you know, I would give like a, just enough to be like, Oh, we stumbled this week. Like she touched my dick or whatever. But <laughs> really it was like, no, we were like every chance we're high schoolers. It, our relationship was so, just like standard high school relationship. And she was also a middle school leader, by the way, in the church. So um, it's funny looking back. I'm just like, so many of these adults must have known what we were doing. Yeah. Because there were definitely comments made to me where I was like, what did you just say? (laughs) (laughs) But I think a lot of them trusted us maybe that we weren't, they knew that we were horny as hell for each other. But I think they trusted somehow that we weren't, taking it that far yeah i think they want to be naive i guess about it a little bit um and yeah i feel like i spent a lot of high school making deals with god about like girls not being pregnant and things like that you know just that's a big one and just being like please i swear to god if 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 she's not if she's not pregnant this time, you'll bend the knee. I will. I'll never. I will never do this again. <laughs> I'll never. will never do <laughs> again. I swear. <laughs> I just don't want to be a. It's father just like yet. a lot of that, and I feel like that's that sort of guilt definitely carries on into your adulthood oh. about things as well. We'll get there eventually. 
I don't know yeah. if I'm even over that still. Yeah. I think I am, but maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, so I, I went to college and I like still considered myself a Christian, was definitely still like kind of a spiritual seeker, but also never allowed myself in high school to have any like real, like I was very straight edge other than the girlfriend thing when it came to like drugs and alcohol and stuff and just like partying and being social in general. Like I just didn't do that. So I got to college and just went as many do full 180 straight into a fraternity. Just now I'm like doing handle pulls and beer bongs and dosing your frat brothers with acid. And yeah, it's getting wild. (laughs) I mean that, yeah, it's getting wild pretty quick, uh, which definitely opened up my eyes to like this new thing. But I, it wasn't until really like my junior year of college that I finally had like a full on crisis of faith. Like, I feel like sophomore year, I was struggling in the sense that I was just like, I don't, I feel like I'm not really living a purposeful life. And before, in high school, I very much was. I was constantly, like, helping people and, like, working with youth and whatever. Like, yeah, there was hypocrisy there. But, you know, a lot of it was just relationship-based. A lot of it was just, like, being there for kids. I was basically just, like, a big brother. Yeah. It was, like, a, it was a religious big brother program. That's literally what I was. The kids that I was closest with were kids that came from super broken homes that just needed somebody older than them to look up to. Yeah. And even though I was barely older than them, it was it was enough. Five years at that age is enough. So you're like participating in some act of, of service. Giving back, service, yeah. And now I'm in college and I'm just like getting, I'm just going to class, trying to get good grades and like getting fucked up and playing music. And yeah. that's all I'm doing. So right. um, yeah, it wasn't until, so sophomore year, I definitely had moments where I was like, man, what am I doing with my life? And like, I feel far from God, whatever that means. Unless I'm on mushrooms, then I'm right there with him. <laughs> but <laughs> you are one with God. Yeah. yeah, so then junior year, I feel like going into junior year, I finally had this like crisis of faith where I got my heart broken super bad. And in that was like, you know what? I'm going to like, I feel so, I feel so sad and I'm going to just like get it together. Like, I have not been going to church. I've not been reading the Bible. I've not been, like, hanging out with Christian people. Really, there's a few other Christian dudes in the fraternity that we did, like, sort of a Bible study with. But it was, yeah, we did it, like, once every other month. <laughs> it was literally, yeah. like, yeah, it was so sparse. So I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this into, like, my weekly practice. And in doing that, somehow realized it just, like, hit me all at once. I was just like, oh, I don't actually get down with this anymore at all right yeah on so many levels i mean i i think it was i mean richard Rohr talks about like you know deconstructing whatever it was very much that phase of just like i'm i'm questioning all of this very very deeply and not even questioning like i'm just like full-on doubting it like i think it's all full of shit i think i need to tear the whole thing down so i i for me i feel like i just hit this breaking point and I just ripped, yeah, I was probably 20. I just ripped the whole thing down yeah. and started from, and I'm still, yeah, I think I, I, I view life differently and I've, I have maybe gained some wisdom, but I'm definitely still in a place of like that core mantra that I started with of like, can't really be sure of anything, can't really know anything at all, truly, Yeah, you know? Uh, when it comes to matters of the heart or matters of like what is life about, I think I still feel that way. Yeah, you're not probably ever gonna know the right answers or the, yeah, whatever. It's not, it's not even anything. what it's about. Yeah, and but that's a big shift from being 
a Christian where you're like, no, 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 these are the answers. This is your foundation for everything. Yeah. Yeah. To just being like, nah, I might not even, none of this might even be real. I might yeah. be dreaming. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I definitely post high school. Yeah. Not doing any sort of Bible study anymore. And, uh, just kind of very much disconnecting from any sort of religion and then starting starting to uh you know definitely question some things and feel a lot of uh yeah just being kind of like fuck organized religion you know oh yeah that whole thing That's for a while like and 18 just like to 22 very mantra. Like, yeah it's just like yeah no this is this is really stupid and i don't see the value in any of this but i don't know that i like ever got to the point of uh feeling agnostic in some way that there is no god and being like very absolute about that or anything you know but it was uh just i don't know it it just wasn't making any sense to me like why all of these things go on in the world if if there's all this like great religion and spirituality in the world and whatnot yeah and uh yeah i think going through some like some crisis of my own in my later 20s definitely um flipped my foundation upside down a couple times and um i started kind of clinging to spirituality in some way you know just like sitting with my my thoughts and trying to get to the truth of things and still still feeling like that there's there was something bigger in play sure everything and then definitely doing some some psychedelics you know that's when it really kicked in yeah uh, having what i would consider my first like real god-like experiences that are just so undeniable to me that i think i would still be a christian today and probably a struggling one, but I would still be a Christian, like a member of the church today, if it weren't for mushrooms. Yeah? Yeah, I really think so. Maybe somewhere in my like mid-20s, something would have happened. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like mushrooms just like fast, psychedelic experience in general, just fast-tracked that whole process. For sure. Super early, or way earlier than I, I would have happened upon it naturally. Do you think it's because you kind of went at it with that intent of some sort no i didn't i i didn't get that shit at all like to me everything that i ingested in college that was like it was meant for recreation and it was meant to like we're getting fucked up and we're doing whatever you know so to me mushrooms was just like another tool for partying like oh we're just gonna get you know really wild with it like this is the next level yeah um, and the first time I did it, I had, <laughs> I was struggling so hard with just like the in amount of intensity, like the sheer intensity of the experience was too much. I was not ready for that. Yeah. So I had a bad time, but I didn't, I didn't like freak out. I just was like, uh, this, it's so intense and I don't, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't like how my body felt and I just kind of like shut down. Um, and then a couple times after that, like I, I started having true mystical experiences where i was like i feel like i just entered into like what i could only describe as heaven 
given my limited spiritual vocabulary at the time. And now I would describe it as like, you know, just like a deeper awareness of reality that is that is ever present and always available to you. Um, but yeah, it's just being truly in the moment is what that was, I think. Yeah. Being like actually fully present in the moment to the point where it's just pure bliss because that's all this moment could be. Um, but also like this recognition of that there's much more in front of you than what you can see for sure. You know, and there's a lot of layers yeah. to what's happening and a lot the, of mystery. That's the, that's the whole thing for sure. Yeah. And the mystery thing, um, like what I was trying to get to is, is that along that whole way, I think I've always felt like I would rather be a believer in something than not. Like that's it's a good motivation for me to be like, why not believe hmm. that there is a God and that this is like for a greater purpose? Because I feel like I don't know. I feel like if I don't have that sort of faith, then it's it's like I'm probably not going to be super productive with what I'm sure. doing with my life. Well, there is like some a f- ways. there's like a famous kind of like philosophical proposition that was put forth by some dude in the church, I can't remember his name, who basically says, like, it's 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 like a purely, like, logical, rational proposition of, like, if you are a believer, then you live your life trying to follow, like, the teachings and messages and whatever, the a way of life of someone who is, like, striving to be the best version of, of themselves. So whether or not that ends up being true in the end doesn't matter because the outcome is the same, yeah. really. Um, which I get on that for sure, but I feel you. Yeah, I'm just like I want to be a believer, I like, and I want to believe that that exists in other people. It's like that, that good, the true, and the beautiful thing. You know? mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. That is always I feel like been there to some degree and it and that is like continue to grow as i kind of like reveal more of the pieces to myself of like Hmm. what my truth is or like what i actually care about and yeah i still have no desire to be a part of an organized religion but i do like seek something like i want to like experience more things and i want to you know continue to try to learn yeah things i guess that's funny that you phrased it the way that you did about always wanting to be a believer because i feel like i'm actually since i at least since i left the church i'm the exact opposite of like i really don't want to <laughs> you want to be God. like a skeptical I about d- it i mean i am skeptical about it and everything that i do is not necessarily to like try to poke holes in everything but it's just to it's to gain more knowledge to like remind myself that I don't actually fucking know anything. It's right. way more deep and complex than like I'm ever going to really be able to understand. And I'll keep to unravel the layers throughout time. And as I get older, um, which is exciting and I think is kind of the point, but also part of that point, you're gonna, you're never, no, there's always, and the further you go, the more you're going to realize you don't know, which For is sure. even gnarlier. But, yeah, there is a part of me that's just like, oh, I wish I just kind of like, just didn't. Didn't care? Yeah, I just didn't believe or care at all. Yeah. 
Like maybe that wouldn't be so bad. Seems like it would be a little simpler. Yeah. In some ways, but Yeah, and again, it's like it's not even like I have I don't have firm beliefs anymore, but I do I would wrestle with like I feel like I was never able to pick up the atheist torch. To me, that's another religion. Yeah. So I still, you know, I still don't necessarily, again, like believe in anything for sure. But I have had a lot of experiences that let me know at the very least, uh, and you can call it whatever you want, but at the very least, I do feel like there is more to this reality than what I can see and understand in my regular conscious waking state. And I think it's entirely possible (laughs) that other human beings have like tapped in to that the same way that I've tapped into that sometimes on psychedelics or whatever. Um, and I think that weird mystery, that deep understanding, that deep awareness, whatever, like maybe that's God. I don't know. Like, I don't think God's a dude in the sky, but yeah, I think it, I've definitely grown to think it's more of this ever changing thing and more of like an energy thing. And yeah, um, my, my grandma, who is this incredible woman, like this devout Catholic all of her life and has just continued to do the most amount of service and stuff in the world. And um, just one of these people I have so much respect for because I feel like she seems to really get the message of it and not get lost in the nonsense part of it. Yeah, which, yeah, like reading that gospel... It's like, oh, there's a lot of nonsense in here. You could just cling to this yeah. and be like, fucking Jesus says, red yeah. letters right there. For sure. Um, but I was I was talking to her one time, and she just, like, really helped click in something that has that I've heard many times before. But for, for some reason, it made sense this time when we were just talking. Like, what God is in... And she was just like, well, you know, God is love. And for some reason, like, it just, like, clicked in for me that time. And, like, when I thought about it that way, it made a lot of sense. And it made me, like, think about things I was doing differently. And it was just like, Mm. oh, like, well, when I have... This doesn't feel good. But when I have, like, this very good experience, like, this feels, like, true and good. And, like, it feels like love. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, God you're, is you're getting this, closer to God yeah. in those moments or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it, like, made sense to hmm. me at that very moment. And I've just, like, carried that. It's, like, one of those things that I've carried forward very much so in, like, determining what is good and bad for myself sometimes like mm-hmm. if i can feel sure that. well and maybe we'll get into this later but you know in the in the gospel of matthew they talk about the magis who are like maybe the followers of this like kind of ancient religion called zoroastrianism which was um based on the teachings of this guy zarathustra who was considered like the first philosopher um and his word for God was just like Lord of wisdom. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it's interesting that I feel like he just drew a line in the sand of like, look, there are things that are like objectively good or wise or whatever. And things that are objectively not like humanity is drawn towards love as opposed to 
maybe not as much yeah even like fucked up people still like love their something yeah you know like they're capable of it they recognize probably that it's better um and i just think it's interesting that like that is like this like weird ancient understanding of god is like not a not some like metaphysical thing in the sense of like something else in another dimension or something up in heaven or whatever but more of just this like yeah it's like a it's a shift in awareness and a and a yeah an ideal that you can like try to align your life to um which we all know intrinsically somewhere for some reason that that's better than like it's better to love your neighbor and your friend than it is to hate them and envy them yeah no one's going to be like well no i think it's better to it's better to fucking hate them (laughs) just no matter what like almost in every circumstance it's like no it is better to love them yeah but it's weird that we can all like universally agree upon that i mean yeah and it's also why the world like continues on because if there was more like a overwhelmingly more like a larger number of people that hated them like the world the world probably would have like dissolved by now probably and i think some people would definitely argue like well the reason that humanity like leans towards love is very much rooted in just like evolutionary biology you know it's like what you're saying like it's the most advantageous thing for our species but it's like well yeah yeah maybe but also there's a lot of moments where like it is advantageous to hate people and like that's still in us as well yeah in our evolutionary bi- like we all have these crazy biases towards like out groups and um yeah we're still like r- all wrapped up in our like nations and our whatever you know well it's yeah i mean anything anything that someone else is capable of doing like you are too you know like it's in there somewhere for sure i think for sure so yeah it's a wild world we yeah we can uh, uh, i can ag- agree on that for <laughs> sure regardless of this whole god business um, it's definitely a wild world but going back to the point of why we we're doing this was just to uh to dive into the bible a little bit as you know in in this uh at this time like i've never really gone through the adult or through the bible certainly not as Hmm. as an adult or somebody that i don't know i feel like my approach to reading this thing is is much different sure now you know because i'm not i'm not really i'm not really trying to point out the bullshit necessarily like i'm trying to yeah see like what what can i really pull from like a metaphor knowing that it's a metaphor it's too easy to pull out the bullshit i mean if that's your aim yeah. Any fucking 10 year old can and open the book of Matthew and like, start being yeah. like, that's a contradiction. This doesn't make sense. Like, and that is definitely not the purpose of, uh, of this podcast. No, like I a, will to be a, to a fan. I will be cracking jokes here. Yeah. And yeah. There, but no, no, no. We're like to point up the, uh, point out the absurd, you know, is, is, is going yeah. to happen. Like those moments are definitely going to happen. And, and, uh, I'm sure you. there's going to like some jokes that maybe rub somebody the wrong way might happen too, but that this is definitely like the intent is not to, uh, you know, to like bash people's. No, no, not at all. I'm looking for like the deepest truths in this is, is what I'm after. It's going to be hard for me not to like, you know, read something like fishers of men and be like, that sounds like a great gay dating app. <laughs> like I just can't, I just can't not 
read it and sometimes yeah, be dude. like, that's hilarious. But at the same time, yeah, like I'm looking for, I'm looking for the deep truths. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it'll be a, it'll be a, a trip. I think it'll be an interesting, mm-hmm. an interesting exploration of, uh, of this thing. For yeah. Sure. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm pretty stoked about it. <laughs> And uh, maybe we'll get some guests. Maybe we'll have some other people. We found that there's a lot of people that have like kind of had their, you know, experience with religion and then completely removed themselves from it, but still have like that in them. Yeah, not everybody leaves and it's just like I'm a f- atheist now. Yeah, you know. Sure. So, yeah, I kind of thought I was like alone on that of like leaving and being like I still feel like there's something more. But now I don't know how to explore it because I don't have a religion to subscribe to. And, like, I don't know what I believe, but, like, I'm still searching whatever. And now I'm realizing, like, I think that's actually probably more the common experience of someone who leaves religion as opposed to. I I think when you're younger, maybe you're going to, like, latch on to, like, atheism. But if you leave religion a little bit older, I think you're more prone to maybe land somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Well, and I think you also... You know, now you're, now you're starting to find out that there are even people that are still part of organized religion that are questioning these things mm-hmm. while members of it, you know? It's like a mutual appreciation for, like, a guy like Richard Rohr who is just constantly, you know, pointing out all of the, the negativity within organized religion, including yeah. his own and, and just how, you know, people take things to extremes and... Yeah, he's on the outside of the inside. Yeah. I'm just trying to point out the missing of the the message. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the Gospels? Is that the starting point for this madness? I I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. The Gospels, man. A lot of notes. A lot of notes, (laughs) for sure. Um. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, the Gospels are, like, Matthew might be the first thing that a lot of people read, especially if you think about, like, the missionary experience, people, like, going to another country and trying to share the good news, share the Gospel. Matthew's going to be the first thing those people read, and it starts with 14, or rather, like, 52 42 maybe i think that's the number 42 generations of like (laughs) listing names so that we know that for sure jesus is a jew oh the genealogy thing yeah yeah dude it's It's just 42 uh, generations to be like listen jesus is super jewish i just also like uh, just a precursor to this all like my comprehension is fucking dog shit dude like it's terrible so (laughs) just have to write down everything while i'm reading reading this stuff yeah and yeah, the genealogy thing. I was like, this is a. I need like a a diagram. Yeah, but it doesn't tree. matter. All it you need to know about the genealogy is like Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is a Jew yeah. f- for sure, and like a a really good one, you know, from starting all the way from from Abraham through David. So, yeah, Abraham, David, and Solomon, like legit. He's a legit legit Jew. I think that's really the point of that. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that is. And it was important at the time. I, I just got to say, too, but, and it's, it's hard to read the Bible through this lens, 
but I have to keep going back to it. Anytime there's something where I'm just like, this makes no sense to me at all. I have to remind myself, like, this was written 2,000 years ago in a completely different part of the world in a totally different culture than, like, what you can comprehend. Yeah, the fact that you can even understand any of this. Yeah. So, of course, there's going to be stuff where you're just like, what? What is that? (laughs) What is that supposed to possibly mean? Yeah. It's a lot of that. There's so much of it. There's so it's a it's a wonder. Like there's the only way that Christianity survived is be, because it like picked up steam and then just like maintained through the years and has like continued to spread itself. But if this just if this book just like surfaced today, nobody <laughs> nobody's going to read this and be like, "Yo, there's some really interesting it's it's out there. Well, that's it's really why it's crazy there. when you get into the religions that are a little bit newer, you know, like even something like Scientology. Where it's For just sure. Like, it's in a language that people actually understand. Written by a science fiction writer. Yeah. Which is mind blowing. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's the Jesus is a Jew, you know, and then the birth happens, which is could be its own podcast the birth probably <laughs> probably but, i mean know. the birth is you know immaculate conception yeah i know i was like i don't even know if i can start talking about that Do because that's like, its own thing what, it's a like, symbol of like so much yeah and it's a common religious symbol too i mean like lots of krishna yeah, not, and buddha not, it's and not like, just like this no, is not this just was, this one miraculous this, was, this one was borrowed for sure which is how you know, sort of right out of the gate, at least with this text, I think with all of it, but it's how you know that this is not meant to necessarily be taken, like, literally. Because that's a, if, if you were to go back in time to that culture, I'm pretty sure, like, at least studied religious people would know that that's a, that's a borrowed concept. Like, that's not a, that's not, that didn't just come up out of nowhere. Yeah, that wasn't invented with Christianity. That's like a old, like that's a old mythological construct of, of the virgin birth. For so. sure, it's, yeah, and yeah, it's a symbol of something deeper, as I think much of this is. And then yeah, Joseph was gonna bail, and then the angel comes to him and is like, "No, don't bail. This is like the Holy Spirit." <laughs> you know, Joseph is just like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "All right." I dude. love how the the angel keeps coming to Joseph dude, too. Just keeps how, being like, "Yo, you should uh, how good is this don't guy? bail on your wife, but do bail on this situation because y'all are about to get yeah. destroyed." No, absolutely. He, yeah, and uh, yeah, the angel comes to Joseph quite a few and Joseph, times, and, and then Joseph's like, "No, I'll keep sh- I'll keep shacking up with Mary then, yeah, and she will birth the Holy Spirit." And uh, and he will be named Jesus. You know what I loved about that, though? So, like, so much of this shit is, is like, and that's how this prophecy was fulfilled. But there's this verse in here where it's basically like, um, oh, thank you. That would be great. Yeah, basically the Bible is like, so the prophecy says that this child will be born and his name will be Emmanuel. Yeah. And then... And then it's like, and then they named him Jesus and the prophecy was fulfilled. It's like, wait, no, that's not what the fucking prophecy said at all. <laughs> like, you'll name him Emmanuel. And Joseph was like, Jesus. Jesus will be his name. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that doesn't fulfill anything. He's all like, I'm already dealing with this immaculate Why? conception. I'm naming this child. Why? 
as like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Thing, but as I was reading that, I was just like, "What? That's so not the prophecy being fulfilled at all." Yeah. What is like your takeaway though from the from her being, you know, having the seed just miraculously is is placed there. Hmm. There's so much interesting like speculation about this, but I think the general mythological understanding that I have is just that if you're go- like if you are going to receive the good news of God or under a new understanding of reality or whatever, like it's not going to come from anything like from this reality. Like it's just going to come from within you kind of out of nowhere. So you're going to be like, you will be reborn in your own body, which the Bible talks about obviously, but like, yeah, you'll be reborn in your own body in this new way with a new understanding of the world around you with nothing actually physically touching you. It's just like this inner journey that you go through. I think it's just symbolizing that. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> well, and then I don't know. And then there's like Joseph's side of it though, where it's just like, okay, this is like, just, he has to trust and put his faith that like, this is really the, the chosen one. Yeah. You know, I guess so. And, which maybe that's just like an allegory for like believe, believe your friends or your wife when they say that they've touched the dick of God. I <laughs> I don't think that that was. I don't know. I'm that's not. not I'm it. not. I'm not sure okay. if that's it. But um, after uh, you know, after Jesus is born though, um, they get the visit of the Magi. Wise yeah, but also Joseph is like, if you're being visited by angels, you gotta believe that this this baby's legit. Like this baby is. Oh, like if angels are coming to you. Yeah. Oh, you're so you're saying like prior to this happening, but I'm just Joseph is don't having- give don't give Joseph too much credit. He's ready to bail, and then an angel shows up on his doorstep, and it's like, don't, oh, okay, don't. Then you're also saying though that like previous to the Holy Spirit being uh, put in into Mary. He was not being uh, regularly visited by angels. I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's possible. It, it could be that Joseph was just like a little bit kooky. And there, yeah, and it just was a perfect, perfect storm. Yeah. It, it worked out. Yeah. The visit of the Magi, though, that's the next thing. And this is the only gospel that has this story of the visit of the Magi. And it was like kind of translated through time as like visit of the wise men or like the the three kings or whatever but the best like historical context that i can find is that it was it would have been three high priests from zoroastrianism yeah it's like a guild of priests yeah which is really interesting to me because it's like so zoroastrianism again is like followers of zarathustra it's basically they're just like they're just trying the whole thing is like everyone has a responsibility to align yourself to the lord of wisdom whatever the fuck that means but i took it to mean it's just like you should be trying to like uncover deeper truths and deeper knowledge and like a better way of being than wherever you currently are and continue to do that and continue to align yourself with that and everyone has the choice and the power within themselves 
to decide whether or not they're going to do that on a daily basis. And that's like pretty much what the whole religion was about. Yeah. There wasn't really a God. Like the God wasn't like uh, anthropomorphized at all. It was totally philosophical. So anyways, I think it's interesting that Matthew includes them because it's like, one i'm like maybe is this like a just like immediate nod to like yo this is something way deeper than like yeah the the common public's like anthropomorphized perception of like god the creator just already trying to like crack shit open by including this entire other religion or i'm like this is a power play like being like yo like bill gates finally got an iphone but he's (laughs) team apple like we won like the enemy the this competitor is just is on board with our side yeah so i don't know i have no idea that's pure conjecture but i thought it was interesting that like ultimately that's what is being referred to as like these high priests of this other religion are coming to view your religion's savior yeah and what is that trying to say yeah i don't know i guess yeah he can learn from from anyone else you know yeah the perspective and whatnot and then uh yeah they like Herod though Herod the great the king of Judea like he he's not down. like sends them there to get like recon like information like where this savior is at. Yeah, he's just being real cool about it. Like, yo, just let me know. Yeah. Once you find him, because I'm gonna go kiss his little baby feet, and in his mind, he's like, I'm gonna shove those feet. Also, into his throat. yeah, and then they, you know, they bring Jesus like the gifts and everything. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it's like this is what we're doing on birthdays for the common folk. Yeah. Like we're just yeah bringing gifts, as if we're the saviors or something. I don't know. I don't know what those gifts are all about, <laughs> but I do know that's why I get new socks from my dad every Christmas. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not I'm not complaining about any of the gifts that I receive on that day. I'm just saying it was I just found that interesting. I don't know. It just I was like, "All right, this is why we're all having birthdays now." This and why like why Christmas is a thing right. as well. Yeah. Um so Harad is is essentially just trying to like locate Jesus tells him tells him that you know he wants to go pay homage as well but is really just trying to find out where he's at he's trying to murder a baby yeah because they're everybody thinks that you know he's the he's the savior right yeah Harad's trying to do like a late 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 stage abortion yeah absolutely on this child Yeah. yeah and uh and then that's when another angel comes to joseph or maybe the same one I don't know if it ex- actually says another, but an angel comes again. She's like, Joseph, you you must go to Egypt. You have to get to Egypt. You have to take yeah. the family. You got to get out of here. You know, it's no good here for for you. And he does. He gets the family up that night. And they go about their way. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, Joseph gets really no credit in this story. <laughs> just guided by he an angel. Guided by an angel the entire time. Someone just being like, this is your next step. You're All too right. dumb to see it, so I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, get out of here and okay. go to Egypt. Well, some of us need angels. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I identify with Joseph very much in the story. I'm just like, I would love an angel to tell me what to just, do next. Just, yeah, please, let me know what the move is. Uh, here. I would love to know what the move is. 
That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, and it's funny that it, like I mean, this whole chapter of like the birth of Jesus up until this next chapter is basically just like the entire life of Jesus until fast forward and Jesus is like thirty or thirty one right. or however the fuck old. And which makes it difficult. Later on, they reference Herod again, and and I'm just like, what? I thought Herod was, was already long dead. gone. Yeah. yeah, I thought we were like two kings. I know because I got like what too. happens is like you know, um, apparently okay. So allegedly, after this, Herod is so upset that the Magi have, like, fucking duped him. And they bailed back to their country after going to see Jesus. Never reported any information. Yeah, Herod's real pissed. He's mad and apparently, you know, calls for the slaying and the murder of all of the children in Bethlehem under the age of two and that vicinity. So I found that... 50% 50% of biographers for Herod the Great do not include that in their biographies. Like, don't recognize that as a part of the history. Hmm. So it's like, seems like maybe it's possible. <laughs> like, that's why I say allegedly, <laughs> because I don't know that that actually happened. Like, oh, you mi- don't know that that thing actually <laughs> happened that was written down in this old ass book? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Okay. Well, no, that's good. I'm glad that there's a healthy amount but of skepticism basically just, there, They're Daniel. just like basically saying that like he's just like not involved in this. Sure. You know, so it's that. He might have f- been a puppet. I thought that know. was interesting that, um, hmm. yeah, that they just, there's quite a few people that just don't think he had any, any part in this. Sure. situation at all but well, that, yeah i mean that whole story of like killing young kids again sounds just like horrible and so messed up but given the cultural time like it could have it could have been an allegory for something that we just like don't understand yeah for know? sure which is why it's not that's the thing about the bible like again to go back to this idea of like you know a 10 year old can like poke holes in this thing because these aren't I mean, some of it might be actually historically, factually true, maybe. Um, but it's not the it's not the point. It's not about being factually true. It's about being like just true, true. Right. So if you can speak some actual like universal human truth using language that's not factually true, then it doesn't matter. And that's kind of how storytelling used to be, especially in the oral tradition. It's like, it doesn't matter whether or not that actually happened. It's not about whether or not the wolf turned into the boy and then back yeah. into the wolf. It does, it's about the, the deeper truth behind it. It's, you know, it's like songwriting. You have to dramatize. Like, you have to, you know, you got to yeah dramatize things sometimes <laughs> a little bit to uh, to make the point, I think. Yeah, you know? I, I think so stretch the truth a little bit yeah especially for back then for folks who like they don't even read you know so they're just <laughs> waiting they're just waiting around like this is their netflix is some dude coming by being like hey i got a story to tell you and it's a good one because if that dude just came through and was like telling a story and then was like hey quick footnote hurrah didn't actually do that i'm just saying that right now because it's part of the story <laughs> but don't forget yeah. it's not actually true it's uh it's a necessary part of the story though yeah yeah um so then, yeah, basically, we just, like, end up real quickly, more angels and Joseph, and then we're just, we're just, bam, we're in. Yeah, they, wait, they waited out for Herod to die. Yeah, and then for decades, and then Jesus is in Nazareth with the family. So, 
I would love to know a little bit more about how Jesus just arrived in Nazareth with all of this amazing wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, they don't really uh, talk about that. Mm-mm. They don't really do the whole. Uh, it's a, it's a bummer because it feels like someone, we're missing someone a part needs to of the do hero's like, journey. Someone needs to do like a Smallville series on on this part of Jesus's life, <laughs> like a young Jesus. Oh, there have been great books written on this topic. Has there? Yeah, I'm not a For big sure. I'm not a big reader, you know. <laughs> there definitely have. There's also books about how you know after Jesus rose from the dead, he went to India and stuff whatever but yeah it would be nice to know a little bit more about like what was he up to was he counseling people in egypt was he shaking shit up over there how did he know that he had the holy spirit within him yeah did it just was it the same as his mom with the virgin birth he just got a seed one day from god and then just like woke up and was like boom son of man it's probably wild. not probably not and i would love i wish they would have told us a little bit more about but maybe they didn't know maybe jesus didn't want them to know I maybe mean, jesus had some had a sh- little bit of a shady I, past i mean dude like how how would matthew know he doesn't even enter until chapter nine or yeah, of this you know <laughs> it's true <laughs> like it's true how does matthew even know like yeah. anything up until this right you know yeah it's just some account but john the baptist though John the Baptist. He's uh, he's uh he's preparing the way. John's the man though. John's the man like in several religions. For sure. Like I was, you know. He was a prophet. He was a He's a prophet huge, who cleared the way for Jesus. Huge part of uh the Quran. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a big he's, part of the Bible. He's he's just a character. He's just a he's a small side character. Yeah, he's they don't even get into his teachings like at all. He's mentioned as a prophet in the Quran and that is like heavy shit for them like if you deny prophets like yeah. you're like denying islam for sure so yeah and i guess like john's a prophet he, jesus is a prophet john's got his own you know he's got his own like miraculous birth story and and shit like sure his mom was barren and he's born to like this elderly father who's another prophet zachariah and yeah he's just like this and, and john's like the most righteous person of all time for sure. Like from birth. He's just like this dude who just like Yeah, like Jesus obeys his like parents. A perfect life. But can I just say in chapter three, like when they get into it with John and the shit that he's saying, like he sounds like a lunatic. <laughs> Which part? Just the whole chapter. I mean, especially as he starts laying into like Pharisees and Sadducees and stuff. Oh when he- Oh my god. You brood of vipers. Yeah. Like and just telling people like you're about you're uh, you're gonna get cut down and thrown into the fire. I'm like I get that maybe these were some bad dudes, but yeah, yeah. It, John just keeps being like, I condemn thee to the unquenchable fire of the bowels of hell. Like fuck off forever. Yeah. So it's funny that like that's really the only introduction to the dude. There's no like wisdom other than he was just like he told off some bad people in like a real, yeah. I know some people today that would love that. They'd be like, he did tell them. He <laughs> told them off hard. But then it's just, I don't know, is that, then how are you serving those people by, like, having that approach with them? I don't know. Does, that just mean, does it just mean that there's that line? I just think there's a, that's an interesting part of the story. Like, John the Baptist is historically this, like, very 
influential prophet. Like who very had respected. Own, had his own following. If had not been immediately yeah. preceded by Jesus, would have like, yeah, potentially started his own religion. Right. But yeah. Be, so, but, but I'm just saying like the He's, fact that like the Bible is basically just like, fuck you, John. And like, we're just going straight into what Jesus said. <laughs> John gets no red letters. John doesn't get orange letters. John gets nothing. Yeah. John just gets one moment where he gives everybody the middle finger. And like, that's the portrayal <laughs> of John the Baptist is just him angrily being like, Hey, fuck you, everybody. Yeah. And then being like, Oh Jesus, what's up? I'll baptize you. But Jesus has to like convince him. Right. Cause he wants to be baptized by Jesus. Yeah. He knows. He already sees the seed. And Jesus is like, nah, dude. This is what is going to serve everybody. Yeah, Jesus is, is like, we got to do this together. Yeah, you got to do this. And uh, and then they do the thing. And I don't know. It's, it's the, the whole flow of this these first few chapters is so funny because it's like we get the genealogy, the lineage of Jesus, and then we get uh the you know the birth and the whole like story behind where he was until he came back to Israel and then we just get this like one little John the Baptist story and then it's just straight into like and then Jesus was tempted by the devil for Well days. yeah also like it's as soon as he's quick plot as twist. soon as he's baptized God appears in the voice from heaven yeah, you know this is sure. my son whom I love with him I am well pleased yeah I'm just saying, like, if this was if this was a Netflix show or an HBO show, and each one of these chapters was an episode, but I got by the time I got to episode four, and all of a sudden now Jesus is just like in the desert being tempted by the devil out of nowhere. I'm like, this is not very good storytelling. Yeah, dude. I'm not compelled by this story. <laughs> the temptation of Jesus, dude. Chapter just, four, we're just hopping around all over the place. Yeah, basically, yeah. I don't know. It's. Uh, I feel like that's Jesus goes into the desert for a mushroom trip essentially a little bit 40 days 40 yeah. nights thing yeah and this is like obviously very symbolic of lots of things the devil um, demanding him to do these different miracles yeah and this is also like an old mythological story as well this is like kind of part of that like me kind of poking fun earlier about being like where was jesus and where did jesus ever like where did jesus acquire this knowledge or whatever like but this story of the temptation of jesus like kind of is sort of the the origin story of of jesus as like a wise man you know yeah going into the desert for 40 days being tempted like learning some deeper truths about repentance and whatever yeah there's definitely like i don't know this is something where i like take some stuff away from like the uh it's chapter four verse seven do not put the lord your god to the test like super heavy and i feel like there's just a lot of layers to that and yeah like if you believe in something like you shouldn't have to you know put it on display necessarily i don't think yeah or in that fashion Hmm. yeah i see what you're saying it kind of runs that kind of runs opposite of what i was thinking but i like if you already know then why do you need to, you know, sure. to know about something? I don't sure. know if that makes any sense. Um, also, I know I feel like so much of the these like little verses are are trans the way they're translated. It comes off so harshly. Yeah. But I think that that could just be read as like, yeah, what you're saying, like, um, 
if you already know, why would you need to know? I had a good, I had a thought from that that I lost. Like, don't intentionally put your faith to the test. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. You've lost mm. it. I've lost it. I had a different, I had a, a different interpretation of it for a second that made sense to me, and then, much like the spirit of God, is very fleeting. Well, I hope it comes back. If it doesn't, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Just also, um, in verse 10, he, uh, says, worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. And like, I, I see how, like, obviously you can see that it's like super aggressive and just like, this is the only thing in your life that you serve. But I think it's like that overall, like going back to that god not being like a person and yeah. like an experience a and energy and it's like of god. hey only serve like what's true and right you know that's to, why like i to kept, you i kept replacing a lot of this stuff with like instead of god like I, because i just read all that stuff about zoroastrianism I, I was thinking of it more as like this concept of like yeah like lord of wisdom or like your ability the fact that you can choose things in your life like the fact that free will exists um and the energy to be able to choose your own will like that is god that is what you are serving you are serving the fact that you are a alive being that has the ability to make choices to affect the world around you that is like that isness is god and so yeah when jesus is saying like that's what you serve yeah it's not about bowing down to this like deity it's about serving something within yourself yeah, and like having enough respect for yourself to be like an uh, enlightened version of yourself. Yeah. And if you serve the darkness, the darkness will, you know, encompass you. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I don't know. There's results to be seen in that. You for know? sure. Like if you do a bunch, bunch of shitty stuff, it's going to most likely make you feel shitty and your, your life experience is going to become shitty. Yeah so for sure um yeah but jesus dukes he, he's just like nah i'm not gonna I'm not gonna do all this madness for you yeah i'm not gonna put on this uh this show yeah for skirts you. the devil real quick and then and then he uh quickly gets to the mountain yeah from there quits starts preaching pretty he, quick yeah people start following him yeah and one of the first things that jesus says Right when it's like, okay, like Jesus is starting to preach now. Um, it's this idea of repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Like, again, through yeah. all of this, like, content, like that could mean so many different things. But I've heard so many spiritual teachers over the years, like most of them not Christian, talking about the idea of repentance. And how repentance has been like co-opted by modern Christianity to really be focused so much on like sin. Like repent against the like physical things or the thoughts, the physical things that you've done wrong and the thoughts that you've had that were bad or whatever, you know, like our traditional notion of sin, repent against that and just like be better from now on. Yeah. That's the idea of repentance. But that's like a, such a shallow idea of repentance. I think repentance really is just in, in this context is like repent means like it's a constant thing that you do every day. And it just means like, look at your own shit like look at who you really are and like own own it and like look at your shadow and take it on 
because the kingdom of heaven is near, not meaning like Jesus is coming back soon, but it's just like there's so much to be had all around you in this life and in experience. And like you don't get to have it unless you have a deep understanding of yourself. And right. you don't get to have a deep understanding of yourself unless you're willing to look at the dark sides of yourself. You have to. I'm like, that's what repentance is. is because we're all not perfect. That's like a very well-accepted universal truth. There are no perfect people. So, yeah, just recognize like in yourself the things that like maybe you would like to change or that you're not super happy with or things that you don't like that are unchangeable. And just like yeah. try to integrate that. I mean, there are things within me that I feel like I don't know if we're ever going to get around to that one. <laughs> you know, like that's that. just like a, that's just like so a, it's who you are. It's a subconscious, like it just pops up, but I can catch the thought though. Like the thought comes up and I'm like, uh, nope, not today. We don't do that, but I can't stop the thought from coming up. Maybe eventually. Right. You know, but it's kind of like, I don't know, like, especially if I think of like, this is like a very, surface example but if you just think of like women um like me being very attracted to women even at this age my late <laughs> 20s even at this age well, like i just mean like like you're I'm a not, 75 I'm like a super, year old man i'm not like a super horny like 14 year old anymore but still like sometimes like you know i see a girl and, and my first thought is like not necessarily the most pure thing it doesn't mean I'm immediately being like thinking the dirtiest, nastiest thing ever. Well, you're committing adultery, apparently. But, uh, That's yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. But it's just like my first thought isn't to think of her as a person. My first thought is to like, is something sexual. And I have to catch myself and be like, uh-uh, uh no, yeah. that's a fucking person. And, like, you don't just get to, like, sexualize them immediately. I have to catch myself, though, that first initial thought. Like, I don't have control over it. That just comes to me. It's involuntary. It's totally involuntary. And I have to, like, sit with that every day and, like, remind myself of, like, these are things that are going to happen to you. And, like, we know that these things happen. So, like, just try to get in front of them so that you aren't a horrible person as you navigate through the world. Yeah, and try to learn from them. And try to learn from them. And, yeah, maybe eventually it will go away. But the people who don't learn from them are these, as Joey Diaz would say, these me-tooers out there. <laughs> me-tooing people. I love that he says that. That's so ridiculous. But for real, though, I mean, the, the dudes that would do something that heinous... Um, or even something like mildly inappropriate or people who are just like, you've not integrated the fact that like that is within you and it's not cool. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cause if you have, then yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I think I very much agree with like that idea of repentance and just yeah, trying it's this to daily thing that you have to do daily inventory best you can each day and trying to get better and uh, acknowledging the flaws but and also just uh acknowledging that your experience is not everybody else's you know like everybody's seeing seeing this through different lens oh man yeah you know there's so much of that in, in this book for sure in matthew for sure talking about the importance of seeing things through the right lens yeah and and also yeah obviously the judgment comes into play throughout the commandments yeah and and yeah i mean i've heard interesting stuff about judgment could also be interpreted as and and this is kind of like a a sort of synonym even in the english language but it's it all it means sort of also like don't label things like don't put a label on it because that's 
a way of perceiving the world where now you've already like categorized it as good or bad or other or whatever and it should just be perceived as just whatever it is without relation to you yeah which is a weird paradox in and of itself because like that's a very difficult that's like a master level uh, thing to be able to do with your consciousness to perceive something outside of duality yeah and then i don't know but that's probably what helps break down that barrier of like going out to serve the sinners and whatnot yeah you yeah know, and helping those people instead of yeah the people that are seeking it yeah so right after jesus says that though and this is like ugh, always loved this verse as a kid but it made me crack up um as I was reading it, where he meets his first disciples and he's like, come and follow me. They were, they were fishing and they throw down their nets and he's like, come follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. And like, fishers of men. And I was like, fishers of men <laughs> is a great name for a gay dating app. It's so good. Dude, it's awesome. Like, Especially let this app, like a Christian. Yeah, let this app gay. fish men. F- oh my God. Yeah, I didn't even go there. You should patent it. That's you should. unbelievable. Yeah, it's you the Christian mingle of developer. the gay world. Garrett does app development. Oh wow! I think that sweet. Well, we can stop this you podcast it, now because yeah. we've already got what make we need it, out no, of this. No, dude, that's gonna be the sponsorship for this podcast. It's <laughs> gonna be an anonymous gay Christian dating app. Oh, fishers of men. Fishers of men. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, and then it, fishing be plentiful. Yeah, so Jesus is gathering his disciples, his following. Uh, he's healing sick people. It's yeah. a lot of healing sick people using in this the, book. Using the magic for good. A lot of the a lot of the magic healing for sure. And then it goes straight into like the Beatitudes, which. But like, what do you, what do you, I don't know. What do you think is happening with the healing? Do you really think the blind are seeing? No. Or, or are we, you no. know, are we and like, more? I will say I did look a little bit into my, my Bible just happens to have some handy footnotes on different, uh, translations and interpretations of specific words being like, you know, this word actually could be also translated in this way okay and one of them was talking about and we haven't gotten there yet but it's talking about leprosy yeah and it's like yeah in this context leprosy could mean any skin condition and i was like are you fucking kidding me like jesus is just popping zits is that what this (laughs) is any skin condition any skin condition so i was like okay it's not about it's not about actually healing people but again, I think it's just like the only way that people can understand the deeper truth of having your soul healed by yeah. something greater than yourself is this allegory of people being field, healed physically. Right. But what do you think he like is doing to heal the soul? Like what? What is he's popping zits? Yeah. He's popping you know? zits. You he's know? popping he's just zits. putting these people at ease, though, somehow. Think so. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just gnarly. Listen, how Jesus works in the heart and soul, that's, you know, not for me to say. I don't know. I just <laughs> want to see him, you know, honing his craft and stuff, you know? I want to see, like, his workshop. You like to see him, like, working on new tinctures, and I think it's a lot of tinctures, maybe. <laughs> uh, It's a lot of, yes, probably lots of that. It's like, oh, you're blind? He's like, I got, he's, like, got a little knapsack on his shoulder, and he's just like... 
rifling through some little bottles and vials and whatever. And he's like, boom, I got this like great elderberry tincture for you. He's like, it's elderflower teacher tincture. Acid and will make you feel like you're healed of all, all. <laughs> yeah. you know, like if, yeah, I think his know? magic was really just handing out some like little things here and there. It's very high doses of mushrooms. Yeah. It's just like, well, you're not going to be able to feel anything once these kick in. <laughs> so you're going to feel like you're healed. Oh, you can't see? Wait till you take these. <laughs> you'll definitely see wish, some shit. You're going to wish you couldn't see again. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, you'll can't wait to get back. Oh, my God. That's so good. I'm, right, I'm going to grab an, another claw. I'm going to be right back. Not today. 24 through 28, though, I will tell you, it's just like the end of a rom-com, you know? We are just like, oh, I know how this story ends. <laughs> he dies. He comes back. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so predictable. Um, I don't know. We were talking uh, about, about Jesus healing. healing the sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. He, I don't know. That's yeah, he does a lot of healing. Like, it's a I lot have, of healing. I have trouble from... I'm trying to interpret this through, like, a mystical lens. I'm trying to understand it as metaphor and whatever. And, like, certain sections like that, I'm like, I don't really know what this is metaphor for, really. Like, I, I can take a couple stabs at it, but... And I bet if I did some research, maybe I could come up with something, but... Well, it's like they obviously... I don't know. Yeah, people are hurting. I think maybe is part of the point. They people are hurting, and they need perform the, these. They see him perform these miracles, and it helps them believe. Yeah, but that's the fucked but up part. That's the part that shouldn't be. That shouldn't. That's. I feel like that's the modern interpretation of it. It's like, well, obviously he's proving that he's God. That's why he's healing the sick. Yeah. But Jesus keeps talking about how, like, yo, don't tell anybody that I did this. Don't tell them who did it to you. He's like a he's like a sneaky mob boss. He's like nobody fucking saw this. You understand? <laughs> nobody yeah, ever yeah. will fucking know. No one knows my name. Yeah. Got it? Capiche? Like he's that's what he's saying until to everybody. The, until the mute catches wind, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I feel like that's a that's a wonky interpretation of it to be like I'm not saying you're wonky. That's just like a well accepted interpretation of it is like well he's healing people so that people know that he's god yeah and it's like no yeah. that's not the thing because the whole thing is he's like trying to not really be seen doing this like for sure he doesn't want the recognition for no. like those things he's just trying to help the people right. so and he's not healing people who don't have faith in it like you have to want it yeah and if you don't believe in it then like you're not yeah you get nothing and that's yeah and that is part of going back to what i was talking about earlier of just i'd rather believe you know like i want to believe yeah okay you know? i just kind of caught the thought that i had before when we were talking about that verse where it's like you know jesus is like do not put the lord your god to the test and if you think of god as just like the experience of being at like a very pure level um i feel like jesus is just saying like don't like you don't you don't gotta like i don't know like just throw that aside like you can just it can just be as it is it's not like a it's not as much of a commandment as it is like this affirmation of like just accept that like we're here and this is a whole like <laughs> we're just doing this weird thing yeah together. this is a wild thing yeah everybody's just out here yeah it's just that it's a super like mystical idea of just like, yeah, we're just, we're all here on this fucking rock. Not everybody's out here to get yeah. you. Yeah. I think people can hear that. 
They sure can. <laughs> it's picking picking up fine. a little bit. That's great. Uh, well, it's going to keep going, too. Hopefully. Well, let's talk about the Beatitudes. It gets This next chapter is like, this. this is like, these are some core teachings, right? We're talking about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, like that whole speech. Yeah. Then there's the salt and light, the fulfillment of the law, talking about murder, talking about adultery, talking about divorce, talking about oaths and keeping oaths, talking about loving your enemies. Like, we're getting into it heavy real quick now. Like... I feel like there was like a little bit of the story for the first four chapters. And then all of a sudden, I mean, look at my Bible. I've got the red, the red okay. letter Bible. All right. So th- for those of you who don't know the red letter Bible, uh, all of Jesus's spoken words are in red. That's pretty As dope. opposed to black. And when I'm looking at this page, I've got a little bit of chapter four and I've got chapter five and six on here. And it's just all red. And same with chapter seven is all red. So the next few chapters are only things, or it's just Jesus talking. Yeah. It's just Jesus preaching. It's pages of monologue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking a lot of truth, dropping a lot of knowledge. For sure. You know? For sure. Yeah, again, Jesus is going back to like talking about repenting, um, talking about the idea, um, the idea of, of salt and light, you know, being the salt of the earth. City on a hill. I don't know. Does, it, as, does any of that, like, were you raised with you, any of that? That idea of, like, being the salt of the earth or being the city on the hill? Like, did, that, that, did that resonate with you? Like, that didn't mean anything to you no. when you read that? No, it didn't. Like, I feel like I have so many different understandings of those terms that if, because that's shit that was taught to me when I was, like, five years old. Like, and those Bible, terms? Yes, like, being the salt of the earth is something that was, like, presented to me at a very young age because this is something that jesus taught directly yeah so like i would have like a bible study class at like age of you know six or whatever where they're just talking about like the importance of being the salt of the earth we're just talking about like this one verse this one phrase that jesus said for the whole time do you think that comes into play now for you yeah in the sense that like it fucks up the way that i am able to interpret it because I'm so some of some things I'm like oh man it's so deeply rooted in this other understanding it's hard to break out of it but I don't know I feel like I do I can have a better a, a different deeper understanding of it now being the salt of the earth I do think it's interesting that like from a more metaphorical standpoint where clearly Jesus is speaking in metaphors like right here you know so it's a wonder that like with all the like teaching that Jesus does in parables and like examples like this, where he's saying, be the salt of the earth. Like you can't literally be the salt of the earth. So he is speaking in metaphors. So why wouldn't all of this basically be yeah, a metaphor? You know, he's already doing it like right in the beginning. He's like speaking in metaphors. And well, so well, it's yeah. addressed soon too, of like even his disciples asking, why are you speaking in these parables? Like, why For don't sure. you just tell us what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But salt of the earth, I think it's interesting that Jesus is calling people to like, you don't need to be like the whole thing. Like you don't have to be the entire meal. You just got to be the salt. Like just play your part. However you like tend to your area of the garden. Yeah. Be the salt. It's that, it's that situation. You know, you don't have to be the savior for everybody. Yeah. Or no. Put and the city on the hill isn't like the city on the hill that turns into the greatest empire in the world that conquers the earth. 
It's like, no, the city on the hill is just like the city that's tending to itself in the right way to yeah. the point where other people are noticing it and being like, yo, what's going on with that person? If you are the city on the hill and you're tending to your garden appropriately, then people are going to notice and they're going to be like, I wonder what's going on with them. And then maybe, you know, if you're at that point in your life, like you can share whatever transformations you've had. If you've had some kind of, you know, yeah, you can inner do, awakening. You can do it super silently and be effective. Yes, exactly. And because you're just, yeah, you become that, that shining light for people. And yeah, like you were saying, they, they rec- like people just recognize that. They pick up on yeah. it. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to walk the streets and tell everybody this is what changed my life and this For is sure. how i did it and, you know? and jesus talks about that later but like i think we can all agree that the worst people that we know are those that love to like brag about all the like great shit that they've done recently yeah like that's not yeah everyone agrees like that's not i don't like that person or yeah or just these um things that they identify with that yeah somehow make them like a better person than you or mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. somehow more righteous for know. sure. Yeah. Anything that would, that makes them feel superior to others. Anyone that's like bragging about something or displaying something that's clearly meant to make them feel better than others. Everyone knows, everyone knows what game they're playing. And like, that's a very unlikable quality in a person. So yeah, I think it's actually <laughs> like a pretty legit little, little teaching from jesus to just be like yo just be like a little bit of salt you don't gotta yeah don't be the whole thing you don't have to be the center of everything all the time yeah you don't or even have all. to go yeah don't even conquer anything just be the city on the hill yeah you know what's the point it's solid it's solid yeah like that those are the types of things though that i've you know i think there's good message in that for sure. Those types of things. Yeah. I so agree. There's lots of little great nuggets like in here. Ben, it was kind of the been the uh the nice thing about really diving heavy into this thing today and for sure. Spending a few three, four hours kind of reading through it is that there is I I feel like I'm at a point where I can take the things that I do find valuable in here and use that in some way. Yeah, you know. leave the rest. Like, and if you don't understand it, or if you're like, mm, I, I don't even necessarily <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, just. And leave I know it. some people can't do it that, and it has to be like an all or nothing thing. That's where that duality like comes up again. Right. It's just I don't know. I don't really feel like it has to be one. Or yeah. The other. For me, I feel like I can just read this and be like, oh, that is an interesting point, or like that's a very um, nice nugget of wisdom. And just let it be that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything more than just that. It just right. is that. Right. Yeah. So this next section is super interesting. The fulfillment of the law, because do you have the little like headers of your, over your, yeah, just like, yeah. Which says like the fulfillment of the law and the next one's like murder and like, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. want to make yeah. sure I'm not going crazy. No, I thought this section was interesting though, because like Jesus is already talking about, this weird shit about like, you know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last kind of thing. Um, oh yeah, yeah. All of that. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, law certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like he's basically what I took from that is basically saying is like the people who think they know anything are the last to inherit any wisdom. Yeah, definitely. Like you got to just lay that down right now. And if you do, then you might you might be like first in line to to actually get something out of this life and like inherit some like real wisdom. But if you if you cling to your knowing of things like there's no chance. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he uses that last to first thing later. Yeah. In a completely different way. I don't remember exact what chapter it is, but yeah, so he's talking about paying the laborers. Oh yeah, that one's <laughs> but yeah, it's like that's a much a different thing. Parable. But um, yeah, the that that is wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then he's like, you know, he dives in, dude. Murder. He starts talking about murder. He's like, he's like, don't. You've heard it said, like, don't murder people, but also like, don't be angry with people too. How about that? That's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Definitely. I want to be angry with people still. Like, I, part of me kind of feels a little bit like, you know what? Like a necessary emotion almost? Yeah, I'm just like, I, I, you're telling me I'm not allowed to have that? I'm not allowed to be angry. But I think he's, he's not saying that. He's, he's saying something so much deeper. But my initial reaction to that is definitely to just be like, fuck you. <laughs> Like you can't I'm take angry. that away from me. I'm angry at you now. Yeah. And you couldn't stop me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just happened. And, but yeah, I think what he's saying to is like, but don't be, don't be attached to it. It's fine to feel, you can feel whatever you want to feel. But just like feel it and let it pass. Yeah. Don't, don't attach yourself to don't it. Once it you attach yourself you. to it, now, now you fucked up. Now, like. Now it's something that's going to get in the way of you aligning yourself yeah. to this like universal truth of being alive it's gonna drive your emotions yeah and yeah absolutely and it's kind of the same thing with adultery though i think this one is the adultery and the divorce thing is like the only note i had on that was just like yo jesus i think you should chill a little yeah. bit it's pretty intense and i think it's part part of it's cultural right so it's hard to like the divorce thing is definitely approached differently in chapter 19, though. For sure. Where yeah, it's but like, it's still basically like, don't divorce unless, like, she sucked another dick or some shit. But it also says, unless hearts are hard. And it's just like... Did it? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. And I thought that was, you know... I mean, I know that's jumping ahead a little bit. But just since yeah, they do good, talking though. about divorce, like, it's uh, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. And it's like, all right, well, this seems like the more realistic reason for yeah, people getting divorced because like, y'all sometimes weren't you weren't ever ready for it. So. Well, and also, like, sometimes when hearts are hard, it creates a, a very unstable environment, you know, an environment that can be, like, dangerous to the people involved in that household. For sure. It's you know? no good for anybody. It's like, really? that, it's just, I've, you know, it's just like one of those ridiculous things where there can't be just, like, a hard line a hard no on divorce of like this is a bad thing it's like right. what how is that beneficial right to, it doesn't help anybody you know it's interesting that even yeah two thousand years ago a spiritual teacher was like well there are some circumstances where 
maybe, Karen, yeah, you do leave. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you want to teach people to value what they have agreed together in, right. you know? Right. For sure. And I think that's also because relationships are hard for a reason and if you you know if you hang tough in them when they're worth it like you get all of the rewards of that which you know any long-term relationship is gonna require some serious work from both parties at some point yeah so i don't know i thought that was that was interesting that it it does as harsh as it as it is in in most of it in in 19 it it, uh it lightens up a little bit yeah yeah, the divorce shit is crazy. It's just like don't well, yeah, do it. Yeah, the adultery and the adultery thing too is a little rough. Where, yeah, again, this is just like I'm already seeing the seeds being planted of like gnarly fundamentalism here when it's talking about adultery, and he's saying like, you know, uh, if your right eye causes you to sin, basically being like, look, all of you dudes are looking at women sinfully because like any sexual being is looking at anything that they're attracted to sinfully in the sense that like they're gonna have sexual thoughts that yeah are not necessarily i wouldn't even say that they're wrong but they're not pertinent to the situation you looking at your coworker, even mildly sexually is not helpful to the situation at all because you're (laughs) just coworkers. yeah but that's still gonna happen to you um and then here jesus is saying like fucking that's sin and you should gouge your right eye out yeah and again, I'm not interpreting any of this literally, but I'm just seeing like the seeds planted of like, oh man, here comes some like serious religious fundamentalism and people, yeah, like the seeds of purity culture uh, and, and people being like, you can't even, you can't even think it. You can't even think a thought about anything related to sex. Right. And then. God forbid, touch your own penis. Right. <laughs> Which just leads to a lot of uh a lot of that happen for happening sure. instead because you it can't is so tell like a teenager up. to not think of elephants like <laughs> you're gonna do it you can't even tell me not to think of elephants i'll definitely think of elephants <laughs> for sure it's just how the human mind works for sure but yeah it is very much that and, yeah and, and the same and the same with the there, the same with divorce yeah like as far as like treating you know when when you get to that extremism of of some, you know, religious sectors. It's just like, you know, if you get divorced, you're like out of the church. Yeah. You're like not, not in this anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Extremism is, uh, definitely, uh, can be pulled out of here for sure. Yeah. Which is funny because there's in so many later points, like Jesus is actively preaching against that preaching like basically preaching for the idea of like you, you got to see the nuance in like a lot of this right well he yeah like, he that's what is he's saying he's the people of the sinners like yeah. these are the people he's right. always he's, surrounded by he's full of contradictions like on purpose to try to shake shit up so it's interesting that people would then still like lean on to this one little thing and be like but he said and it's like yeah he said all kinds of crazy stuff right and, yeah. like, a lot of it doesn't line up with within itself, even. Like, so, yeah, I think it's not necessarily about, like, what he said and more about, like, what he meant. And then, like, what do you take away from, like, oaths, though? Like, is oaths, like, more of, like, what you, the promises that you're, like, making to yourself? Yeah, I think I think it was some of that, like but I, better? I feel like I also just took from that section just, like, 
we're all in this together, you know? We're all in this together. Like, we're all one thing. And Jesus talks about this later, too. And, like, that's why that's why you go the extra mile. And that's literally, as far as I know, that's where that term comes from. It's from this verse. Going the extra mile. I feel like we think of it now, it's been kind of co-opted to more mean, like, you know, just being a high achiever. But its roots are in this verse and, and Jesus talking. And I could be totally fucking wrong right now, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually right. rooted. But I think that it's safe to assume this is maybe a biblical reference, that phrase. And I just think him being like, go the extra mile is, uh, yeah, he's talking about the love that you have for people, you know, and being willing to like do things that you don't necessarily want to do because they service something greater than you. Yeah, selfless acts. Selfless acts, yeah. And, and that's something that, like, Zoroastrianism talks a lot about, too. It's like, good works, good deeds, good thoughts. Right? So, like, do good by yourself, do good by others, and, like, think beautiful things. Without any, like, expectations of things in return. Nope, just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Because it aligns you with the Lord of Wisdom or it aligns you with your own ability to have free will and to enact positive things on the world. You know, it's just that. It's just that idea, which I think is like so beautiful. And it's funny that that's so ancient. That's like a really ancient. We're talking like four to five thousand years old, that concept. So it predates Christianity by quite two to three thousand years. So it's kind of crazy that like, yeah, these Zoroastrian priests were potentially from a religion that was older than Christianity is today when Jesus was born. So that's like a, that'd be like if a new Messiah was born today and like the fucking Pope showed up and was like, yo, check this out. This little kid right here has got all kinds of stuff to say about <laughs> adultery. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's insane. And, uh... Eye for an eye. Yeah, that's that same section, right? Yeah. Eye for yeah, it's for loving, loving. Oh, loving your enemies. The next section, yeah, yeah. So then he just keeps going though. Starts talking about giving to the needy again, more on like selfless acts. Uh, and but he talks, he stresses the importance here, right? Which I think is so interesting. It goes back to what we were talking about before. He stresses the importance of like. If you're going to do selfless things for someone, the moment that you tell someone else about it, it's no longer selfless because now you're gaining something from it. Right. You just played yourself. Yeah. Like, congratulations. It's the ego shit. Yeah. So he's like, if you, unless you do it in secret, God will not recognize it. And like, to me, again, kind of filtering God through this, like, this other ideal of just like the energy behind, like, enacting your free will. It's like, you're not really doing anything that's benefiting you maybe it's still benefiting that other person on that like just baseline outcome of like if you give a sandwich to someone who's hungry you're still helping them but you're not helping yourself unless like it's a selfless act and if it's a selfless act then you might actually somehow benefit from that but it's this weird paradox of like if you are doing it to benefit from it then you definitely won't yeah like if you're out with some people 
maybe uh you know someone you're attracted to in the car and then you see someone on the corner and you give them like a 20 <laughs> yeah you're doing it because it's being seen it's, it's being just like, watched hey look how look look what a good person I but am. i think i would go even one step further and say even if you're doing it to proclaim to yourself that you're doing good things you're trying to yeah then you're still not getting anything from it you're still missing the point you have trying to to make yourself like feel better like hey i'm a good person look i just gave that person money you have to just do it because it's good and somehow paradoxically not have the thought that like this makes me a good person and by not having the thought this makes me a good person it actually would make you a good person yeah it's got absolutely i don't know I feel weird about sharing any story about giving money to homeless people <laughs> because it's like he knows that that whole that whole thing. Yeah, but I do think it's like a different feeling. For like sure, when, it's, when you're when just you genuinely trying to help someone, right? And uh, I think usually, though, like if I if I I don't know, just thinking to like maybe the last time I gave somebody money like that, yeah. it's usually out of. Uh, just like oh, well i'm gonna go buy like this ridiculous dinner for myself tonight and and you know i can kick this person five dollars it's you know sure. it's like so there's a little bit of like it's like it's I a sh- little bit of guilt there yeah maybe a little bit of guilt but Tied also like just like yo responsibility but also like maybe just like pointing out my situation opposed to theirs and it's like yo if i can go do this like i can definitely help this person out right you know right i'm more than capable right at this moment sure i think that's good i think that sounds healthy yeah i don't know <laughs> i think so i think funny. that sounds healthy to just be like oh like my bank account is full what's stopping me from like giving this person like if i'm gonna go spend a hundred dollars on records today like i could probably I could throw a fiver. Buy to you a bag of food. Remember that one time we were downtown about to buy records and that <laughs> dude was like, he was like, yo, if you buy me some French fries, I'll give you some acid. Yeah. And I didn't hear the acid part. I was just like, I'll buy you some I French did. fries. So I'm buying this dude French fries and you're like, yo, are you going to take the acid? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I go out there and I give this dude French fries and he straight up is just like, so like how many tabs do you want? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm all good. Yeah, I'm not. I do not take acid from strangers on the street. No. <laughs> it's not it's the a hard no for I me. Do. Oh, man. But that could have been like Jesus. That, that could have been Jesus trying to give me the seed. That's the crazy thing, though. I'll never know. There's, you know. I'll never know. All those people on the street. Yeah. Preaching about something. I mean, Jesus said that that was him. So, yeah, indeed. Well, that story is that one time Jesus tried to give me acid and I said, no, thank you. Jesus. But also the point, like, yeah, just no expectations for like the service you're doing and yeah. not doing it for that. That for seems that, to be it for that reason, you know, of, yeah, you don't go do the service so that you can leave there and tell a bunch of people that you did the thing for sure. Um. And then prayer. Yeah. To This is interesting to me. This is like, this feels very Buddhist in a way. It just sounds like if you replace prayer with like, basically like meditation. It's just like, yo, this is like a solo practice. That's what I This is between you, you and the universe and nothing else. 
And I so feel, yeah. if you're doing it for again, similar to like the giving thing, it's like if you're doing this to be seen doing it, then you're not doing it. You're totally missing the point. That would make me so uncomfortable. Yeah, doing it being oh, so w- when I grew up, like watching worship services, there were these people who would like, you know, put their hands up, yeah, like, yeah sway yeah. as they're singing. I went to, to I don't, yeah, I definitely went to, you know, some Christian yeah, yeah, churches, so you saw Sunday services and, and whatnot. And it's interesting because some of the, even then, like in high school, I could look around the room and I could tell like who was doing it authentically because they felt drawn to do it and who's just throwing their hands up there because like they want to be seen yeah. as close to God or whatever. And then I feel like there's another group who feels like they're, they should just be doing it. Yeah. Because they don't want to not be doing it. For sure. There's and that I feel third like I was level that of just being alive. like, yo, like, I guess this like, is what we're right, doing. We're putting our hands up. Yeah. <laughs> J-Man told us to. Yo, junior high um, Christian Bible study in, like, Southern California, man. Those big mega churches that you're also, like, very familiar with. Oh, yeah. Those are the funniest places because I feel like that's where all the... Like people just went to those youth nights so that they for could sure. participate like in bullshit. A, a young life or whatever. Like a bunch of people are just like outside in the parking lot smoking weed in the shed. And it's just like all the kids skating. It was an excuse to not be at your parents' house and to be around your friends on yeah. a Wednesday night. Yeah. Like, just of very course, funny. that's what you're going to do. But, um, yeah, the prayer thing. I, like, I don't, I don't know that I could... Just go hang on a street corner and like feel comfortable preaching like that. It's, it's for sure. Everybody just like looks at those people as like very absurd and in, is invasive. Yeah. Like, how many no people, like, do you, I don't, I just don't understand, like, what is the effectiveness of it? Like, how many. Are those people on the boardwalk that are shouting about Jesus actually get a person or two to uh, really want to sit down and listen to their message, do you think? Like, does one person that day? I don't know. Fall, like, That's a good question. I guess you would, the man you with would, the ass- mega, you the would assume that they're having some level of success, otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it. But it's hard for me to imagine, <laughs> especially in a city like Portland or Seattle or something. Yeah for sure that anybody's going to be like you know what as i was walking to this seahawks game i actually realized i do have some questions about gay people burning in hell and i want to sit down and talk to you about this i mean yeah i definitely see how prayer could be done in a group setting as well sure you know with that intent i think but yeah again i think if you just think of this as like you you connecting to god starts with just you and god yeah Agreed. Other people can be brought into the fold eventually, but like it begins there. And if you're not doing that, then you're never going to be able to do it in a group setting anyways. I think this next section too about prayer where he he gives the Lord's prayer, right? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Like that first part to me is like, is so mystical and very much still like in line with this like Zoroastrian shit as well. Because it's basically being like, Father in heaven, whatever you want to describe as heaven, I just think of it as like, you know, unknowable God, like you are unknowable. Like, that's all that's saying by hallowed be your name. It's yeah. like, you can't, we can't, we shouldn't even be trying to name this thing. 
because it's an unnameable thing. Right. Um, but then even that next thing of talking about like your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like your kingdom come, your will be done. Again, to me, it's just like praying for like, can I just enact my own positive will in my own life to be a positive force in the world? Yeah. Like, cause that ideal exists in the metaphysical in heaven or whatever. And I'm trying to make it a reality. Trying to create heaven on, on earth. earth. Yeah. I'm trying to for bring yourself. it down. Yeah. It's a personal, like Jesus just said, this is how you pray personally. So this isn't necessarily like a prayer for all of earth. This is a prayer for you and your own life. And you're basically just saying like, Hey, I respect the mystery. Also like trying to do, trying to lean into it and do the right yeah. thing, whatever that is. I want the bread. Yeah, I need the bread. <laughs> Give <laughs> me know? the bread. I need the daily bread, and uh, I need the forgiveness for the, for yeah. the uh, the debts and the sins. And I think it's interesting that right after he gets done, he then like tells this little thing about like the importance of like, uh, you know, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Uh, if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So again, thinking this is like your Father is like basically your own almost like your higher self in a way in this sense your to me this person. yeah it's this shadow work thing of like if you uh can't forgive others you can't definitely can't forgive yourself right because forgiving others is forgiving yourself because things that you don't like in other people are things that you don't like in yourself yeah for sure and it's uh it's similar to the compassion thing of like compassion is only complete when you show it for yourself yeah so absolutely yeah um yeah exactly yeah you're never gonna find like true wisdom or compassion or get anything out of forgiveness um if you can't forgive others it definitely starts there especially for the things that you've done already for you know, sure like for sure that yeah there's deeper <coughs> levels right like trying to forgive someone for a mass murder is tough because it's hard to see that within yourself yeah that's like some gnarly shadow work there's but an example of that later of like uh, when the master uh, frees the servant of his debt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, yeah, I think it's it just applies so well to like just the basic day to day stuff of like you should just be forgiving all this like little bullshit that happens. Someone cuts you off on the freeway. Yeah. It's like how many times have you cut someone off on the freeway? For sure. Because on sometimes on accident, yeah, you know you're not trying to. Absolutely. So it's bullshit for you not to forgive them immediately in yep. that moment because that's just you doing that. <laughs> like you're and you're gonna do it in a moment. Like, um, the fasting is much like the praying, like, and all that stuff. Just like, don't acknowledge that you're fasting and don't try to you know play into that. You look super weathered. For sure. By the you know when you're deep into it, don't don't try to look yeah, like you're a, haggard. This isn't about you. From it, like just yeah, you don't, know, you're not doing it to be seen. I right. feel that. This next section is like this is a big one. This is a big one. The treasure in heaven. Treasures, treasures in, in heaven. heaven. This is like a this is an OG Jesus teaching for sure. I mean, this verse uh, that the way it starts off: Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I mean, Thrice talks a lot about that moth and rust yeah, dude. thing. Um, but yeah, it's just like such a beautiful concept of like, you got to 
you got to really lean into what life is actually about. Yeah, this is like just speaking to materialism and yeah. fucking hardcore. Um, yeah, which is such a gnarly thing to uh, ignore in our culture, though. For sure. You know, to not want to, you know, determine your success by the things that you have, and you know. For sure. This next section, I feel like, gets glossed over a lot. At least it did in my upbringing. But to me, this is one of the most powerful verses in this entire gospel. Um, where he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Yeah. Because he's basically just saying, and he says this later where he's like, you know, those who have ears to hear it hear, those who have eyes to see it see. He's basically just saying like, yo, the whole thing is right in front of you. It's all just about how you see it. Yeah. It's not about changing who you are because you are who you are. Like, yeah, we can all be better or whatever, but like you're still going to be fundamentally you. It's about how you see things. It's about how you see the world. And if you can see the world in the right way, you are going to be filled with life in the right way. And this is a great moment of a Joey Cam's understance. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It so, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Joey Cams refers to Joseph Campbell, who was a great student of mythology and religion, wrote this really great famous book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces that talks about the kind of ancient myth of the hero's journey. Have and you actually read I'm reading that? it right now, which is why I'm so... Pretty, it's pretty sweet. Joseph. It's, it's a dense read, but it's pretty good. Yeah. But he has this famous quote, I don't think it's from this book, where he says... Uh, I don't believe people are looking for the meaning of life as much as they're looking for the experience of being alive. And to me, like that's, you have to shift away from like, Oh, I'm trying to find the answer to just like, no, 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 no. Just look at life as like, it is the search. Yeah. Just live, just live. I think Jesus is trying to say something similar, right? Right there. Where he's just like, it's all just in how you see shit. And if you, yeah, if you're just looking for the meaning of life. Or if you're looking for signs all the time. Yeah, you're going to miss it because it's just, it's all right here, right now. So just see it right now. This is it. This is you. This can be this moment, you sitting alone on a couch or with a friend on a couch or whatever. This can be like a union with God if yeah. you want it to be. It's right here for you. It's the presence thing, like yeah. being 100% present in the moment. For sure. You know? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. But I thought that, that Joey Cam's quote was a, a no, good modern interpretation of that concept. No, that's very good. I dig that. And it, and then it goes forth to, you know, after the talking about your eyes being full of light, it goes into the, you know, if you're, if your eyes are bad, they're going to be full of darkness and then your whole body's going to be full of darkness. Yeah. God, when I read that, I thought of, I was like, how many people do I know? Or also like just thinking of the internet and just like how many people are just so focused on negative bullshit constantly. And like, yeah, when you meet them or talk to them or interact with them on the internet or in person, they're not pleasant people to be around. No. And that's not to say like, be ignorant of the world around you. Don't. Yeah. I love to talk to people that are, you know, skeptical of things and you yeah know, and yeah don't think everything is just uh yeah it's like flowers. i'm not saying like don't share about the fires in australia yeah it's messed up like we should all do something about it but i think we can all agree there's like a line like that one person who like anytime 
something fucked up happens in the world, they're posting an Instagram story to be like, we gotta stop this. <laughs> it's, it's so much where it's like, yo, we know you don't have yeah. to post that every time a mass shooting happens. Like, I agree. And I think you posting this story on Instagram is doing nothing other than you trying to be seen doing it. Yeah. So it means nothing to me. Like, what are you actually doing to enact change on gun control or whatever? Nothing. You're just posting this Instagram story every fucking time to the same, like, 300 people who've all seen it from you a bunch of times. I'm not trying to call anyone out right now, but I'm just like, it's a little rough out there to be surrounded by so much darkness all the time. Yeah. It's not healthy, I don't think. No. It's, I don't know. I don't dig it. As, you know, as much as I do appreciate dark dark things too though sure the flip side of that i've already made some dark jesus jokes we in this conversation we we both appreciate the dark humor for sure but also like appreciate like a lot of bummer music and you know the darkness is part of it and jesus talks about that too i'm just saying like the darkness darkness is is where the light is too it's part of the good so yeah if you just focus on the darkness that it will consume you right i think that's what jesus is trying to say but that's also like very hard to not do sometimes it's hard to not be consumed by the darkness when you're like especially m- mentally, today for especially sure especially today that I mean, can be your like phone a is just a portal to the darkness at all times yeah <laughs> absolutely i do like this do not worry section though i just like the line about like you know who's gonna add a single hour to their life by worrying yeah it's just like don't worry like tomorrow will worry about itself just for focus sure. again just be here be in this present moment. Worrying gives you absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it just like kicks off with, yeah, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what's going to happen. Yeah, this present moment can still be filled with preparing for something in the future. And if you fully give yourself to that, then there's no reason to worry because you're doing the best that you can right. to prepare for that situation. So why would worrying come into play? Yeah. You know, like I feel like a lot of people read that and they're like, oh, you're being told to just be like ignorant and just trust in God completely to handle your future and it's like no it's not saying that like be present in your moment and your moment can still be preparing for something but just be present in that if that is your moment yeah um yeah seven kicks off with the judging others this is big this is the shadow stuff you know yeah this is the shadow stuff i feel like it starts off yeah you know the importance of not judging others um and also talking about like how it's basically like wasted breath um, to try to pass any sort of like wisdom to someone who's not ready to hear it. Yeah. So you can just the people with open ears are going to hear it. Yeah. And the people without are not going right. to. So again, just be a city on the hill type thing of like just live your life. Like people will encounter you however they encounter you. It's not really up to you to like. Yeah. It's weird that there would be a whole evangelical movement after reading a verse like that. Yeah. And like missionaries and stuff. Because it's like, why would you go preach to people who have not even been raised in a world that's remotely adjacent to anything that's touching Christianity or Western culture? You're just going to go to them and be like, <laughs> Yeah, you're just talking <laughs> about. Let me tell you about <laughs> this guy. You're just talking about shining a different kind of light. Like they're just taking that shining a light thing to a a very weird extreme of like, everybody needs to see this. And if you don't, then 
Yeah, it's like, no, those people probably know God better than you do. Yeah, it's quite possible. They or might whatever their idea the, yeah. of God is. Yeah, you know, they would probably they probably understand a lot of this stuff though. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's to me these teachings are for like a neurotic culture. Well, I this is and this is these teachings are for like Jesus says. I mean, they're for the lost. You know, yeah, for the lost sheep, and which is I think is most of Western civil civilized civilized culture. Um. Yeah. It's just like a bunch of like neurotic people who need to be reminded like, hey, by the way, in case you forgot, you have no right to judge other people because you're also a piece of shit. <laughs> How have you forgotten that? Yeah. Absolutely, man. It's and sometimes that swings too far the other way. Like I'm speaking for myself and even some mutual friends that we have. And I think you'll know who I'm talking about feeling leaning too far the other way with that little voice who who's reminding you that you are a piece of shit and just running with that is not helpful right yeah i've no, done plenty of that yeah that's that's no good either not constructive to, now you're just judging yourself, yourself constantly yeah well that i mean that goes back to the being compassionate for yourself right thing it's like you gotta you gotta give yourself some slack as well yeah and and um, if you are giving yourself slack then you sure as fuck better be giving it to other people and then going back to the you know being the church on the hill I think that's uh, kind of mentioned in uh, in verse twenty eight of that chapter seven. And it's uh, when Jesus was f- was finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed by his teaching because he taught as he had authority and not as their teacher of the law. And I think it's like there is the difference of those things of authority and then just someone representing or teaching the law. And I think it's like to me kind of pull like it's a it's a results thing like you can see in this dude like he's the real deal mm-hmm. like you can see in you know yeah his if authority if the is best that. if the best hockey player in the world is teaching me new skills i'm going to believe in them because they have shown me that they can do that for themselves right, right. you know and it's not just somebody that has educated themselves on mm-hmm. how to do this or you know it's it's like a reason you know both of us have a respect and an admiration for a dude like joe rogan and and the reason is like for for me is just he's show he's just showing me that like he's he's not preaching anything really he's just being right. himself and showing me that like this can be a cool path and you can like learn a lot from a bunch of different people sure. or whatever, you know? Sure. So I, I think that's, yeah, I just appreciate that teaching method. Right. Yeah, of, of just being that church on the hill. Sure. And yeah, showing it's effective here to really preaching. Yeah. Yeah. So right after we talk about the, the shadow work in the judging others, it kind of goes into, uh, yeah, this like classic verse of, you know, um, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Again, just like that kind of like hypocritical, like we all have our shit. Don't call people out for their shit if you haven't handled all of yours. Yeah. And none of us have. So then it's not really fair. Again, like t- talking very vaguely and broadly here, not necessarily talking about someone who's like committed a serious crime. 
<laughs> I don't think that's judgment. I think that's just like doing what's right. But yeah, for basic, just like interpersonal human interactions, it's not really fair to judge Karen for like farting wildly at her desk because you've done it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Especially the things that you've done. Yeah, it's, for sure. Or like could very easily do. Yeah, it's just the thing of, yeah, you're also capable of yeah. doing that thing. But then also it goes, it kind of goes into this next, uh, this next section, which is basically like the golden rule, right? Like treat others how you would want to be treated. But I just want to say this last year, I learned about something called the platinum rule. You know what about is, the platinum no, rule? No. And I when I heard this, I was like, oh, Jesus, you're a chump. You're a chump for teaching the golden rule. And Jesus wasn't the only one. Obviously, like Confucius taught the golden rule and Lao Tzu and like all these other teachers. But the platinum rule, and get ready, this is going to blow your mind. The platinum rule is treat others how they would want to be treated. That's interesting. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. That's a, that's a different thing for sure. And obviously for different situations, like different rules hold up better. But I think for a lot of like, if you think about people that you actually know and love, like don't treat your spouse how you want to be treated. Your spouse is a different person than you with different needs and attachment styles and like all this other shit. So recognize who they are and treat them how they would want to be treated. And that's like a... Uh, the whole nother level especially with like your close friendships and like your close interpersonal relationships to treat someone how they want to be treated it's like the classic story of like a spouse like like oh my 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 dad does this all the time (laughs) i feel like not all the time but he's done it in the past where like he'll get a gift from my mom and like i'll kind of want i'll look at my mom and i'll kind of wonder to myself like did mom really want that or did dad just want that and that's like a, it's a small thing, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like my mom is hurt. I'm not talking about something huge, like my dad buying a new car or something. Right. I'm just like a small little gesture or whatever. And I'm just like, and, I, and I've done that plenty as well. But like, it's always easier to see it in other people, obviously. But in those moments, I'm just like, yeah, see, that's an example of like, my dad's trying because he, he's trying to treat her the way he would want to be treated, which is the golden rule. But there's this platinum rule that's even better of like, no, like, love someone where they're at and treat them how they would want to be treated. That's very good. It's definitely a game changer. Yeah. Definitely makes. What now, Jesus? (laughs) What What now? What now, bud? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to come back? You have something to say to that? (laughs) Um, I think that also means. With, with the platinum rule, it takes more effort, too, because then you have to, like, learn what how right. that person wants to be treated. Yeah, I think the golden rule is great for people you don't know, right? But this platinum rule, for people that you do know, like, that's the standard. should be the platinum rule. It's funny, though. Um, you're saying with the golden rule, like, that being appropriate for, like, strangers. Right. But I feel like the strangers are often the people you don't put any effort into like addressing the golden rule with 
because you feel like these people are insignificant to your life. Like maybe this person that is like the customer service clerk for whatever you're purchasing at the moment. You're just like, I don't really need to. Yeah, this doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. Like I'm not going to be friends or be developing anything substantial with this person. So like I feel like often the strangers are not the people that get the golden rule. For sure. You know. And we interact with a lot of strangers. So I think that is it is a good teaching ultimately to tell people, you know. Be cool to each other, baby. Be cool, baby. Be cool. I'm into the platinum rule, though. I like that. I'm th- I think that's like a good thing to attempt to uh, keep in mind, stay conscious of with people. For sure. And I had another note, too, right after that. The narrow and the wide gates, right? So right after the... Uh, well, there is like this whole section, too, around the golden rule. Yeah. Um, where he's like talking about, you know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. That's like another, that's another interesting parallel saying as well of like a lot of teachers have said basically like, like Lao Tzu and Krishna and Buddha. Like if you're, if you're looking for like the path, like eventually you'll find it. Yeah. It becomes known to people like that really want to know it. Right. Just, yeah. You just got to like really want it. I also thought the, uh, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. Like that whole thing of like, if someone is asking you for something directly, like why do you give this, them this other thing? Yeah. For sure. Like, but he's also talking about like, he's talking about like God, like, like God wouldn't give, right? Isn't he talking about like, yeah, he's basically saying like, you, none of you are so dumb and you're, Jesus does love to tell his disciples how dumb they are <laughs> so much. He loves to be like, to speak super like you vaguely, guys are not getting, it. <laughs> he loves to speak super vaguely and then they'd be like. Hey, I'm a little confused by that. And, and he'll be like, like, you have no faith. Are you dense? <laughs> You're a man of little faith. <laughs> yeah, I love that. There's so many moments of that where Jesus yeah. is just like, wow, you guys are dumb. Um, but he's basically saying like, look, even you dummies know that if someone asks for bread, not to give them a stone. So you really think that like God, if you were to ask God, like, hey, I want to know, like, I want to, I want to get on the path. Yeah. You think that God doesn't know how to give you that? Like, come on. Right. I just thought it was like interesting like applying that to just like modern day life though sure of like maybe a kid who wants to play gets like play drums and you're like he keeps asking to play drums but we got him a guitar <laughs> it's just like why why don't you give right them the thing that they were is that how you would have wanted to be treated <laughs> <laughs> for real though because that is that whole section is followed by the golden rule so it's just like yeah yeah. Why would why would you have done that? Yeah, it's just interesting. I feel like people do that too. Like just directly For sure. ignore like what someone is saying. Oh, like, man. hey, I want this thing. And then they will give them something else. I, I know a lot of people with parents that are especially good at that. Because they're like trying. You, it's a control thing. Yeah. of like trying to direct like it somewhere else. I have a lot else. of, like I feel like my parents are, 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 um, are very good about like for the most part like 
doing their best to try to understand what my needs are and like help me in, in the ways that they can. Same. And not like assuming whatever based on yeah. But I have other friends where very much like they're asking for a piece of bread and their parents are like, Well, we've got a nice stone for you and they're like, What the f Yeah. Like I'll just take nothing then. <laughs> I would so much rather take nothing than to be this misunderstood by you. <laughs> you know? Like it's so hard it hurts. Right. It hurts those people to like be that misunderstood by yeah. someone so close to them. And I feel that for sure. Well, this next section is also like a classic teaching entering through the, the narrow gates for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Um. Yeah. To me, I think that's just like this. It's this paradoxical notion of like ask and you shall receive, but you have to actually want it. So right. very few actually want it because the truth is not it's beautiful, but it's hard. It's hard and it's going to require you to like, you know, own up to some of your own shit. It's going to require you to look at some ugly sides of humanity. Like, it's going to require... It's not all about necessarily, like... It doesn't mean Our bliss. notion of beautiful... Yeah. Like, it's beautiful, but in a different way. And it's blissful, but in a different, more profound way. It's not just pure ecstasy. Right. Like, there's still darkness. And way more darkness on the, like, narrow path than there is on the wide one. But the wide one leads to more destruction. Because you're just... Yeah. You're just unknowing. So this is, yeah, that weird paradox of basically like it's super tough to like see yourself and to strive towards like wisdom and beauty. And that's why like most people don't do it because it's it is the it's the hard path. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. That's why I'm all kinds of fucked up over here. <laughs> Yeah, because it's hard to it's it's uh it's hard to choose the the struggle, for sure. You know, for sure. When you know the uh, the shortcuts, yeah, to things. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I think that's why you know something like psychedelics, though, like those heavy doses, with the uh, the intent of uh, really uh, being in in that shit. And not being able to escape it has been beneficial. Sure. In some way. Like, I don't know. All of all of the trips have been a little bit different, but I do do uh definitely in that camp that it'll uh it'll make you face some things. Well it's funny that you bring that up because this next section where he's talking about the tree and a tree its and fruit. its fruit. Um He's talking about yeah. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit gets thrown into the fire. Or whatever. Like, to me, so much of that section is basically just like it's like this Buddhist notion of like suffering exists, but attachment is the problem. So like, darkness exists in the world. It's the way that you attach to it that is an issue. And goodness exists in the world, and the way that you attach to that is also an issue. Attachment is the pro Attachment is why, because everything is impermanent. 
So, like, someone who is not attached is going to be bearing good fruit because they're, they have inner peace and tranquility. So no matter what situation comes to them, the, the like, product of that situation is still going to be a net positive. Yeah, they're, like, really seeing things for what they are. Yes. And not being blinded by the good or the bad. And Yeah, so if you have a like good day or a bad day, doesn't matter. It's all part of the same trip. It's all about maintaining that composure. Yeah. Not panicking. Don't panic. Don't Hope. panic in the storm. Yeah. You know? For sure. It's another part where Jesus makes the disciples look like idiots. In this chapter? In the, no, in the, like when they oh, get to oh, the storm. Dude, to me, <laughs> that was the alt. I mean, we'll get to it. But when I read that, I was like, oh, Jesus is like a prankster over here. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like out in the storm. And he just walks out there. And they're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, And he's like, what's up? Like, yeah. And he's like, uh, relax, idiots. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going to be fine if you just had a little faith. If you weren't of such a little faith. Man. You would uh, know. Oh yeah, that it's gonna no, be I, all right. I got that confused with the moment where they like go out onto the lake super deep and Jesus like surprised them. Oh, just walks when out. He just there walks out on the water. They all just freak out and they're like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Here? Yeah, there's that part too. <laughs> and he was just like, "Sup, idiots, you jerks." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one more section of this chapter seven. And I feel like maybe we should like that, <laughs> think about time. wrapping. Okay. How deep are we here? We're over two hours. All right, so we got to wrap. <laughs> so we got to wrap, and we can, you know, we'll, we'll just back. continue on with with our our Matthew discussion for sure. Um, yeah, the wise and fool. I mean, shit, man, this is tattooed on my body. Is it? Yeah, on my stomach. I've got a house on a rock that's standing. And a house on the sand that's destroyed with the wind and the storm all around it. Got to build everything on the rock. On the rock. But what is the rock? Maybe. I feel like the rock's always changing. Maybe the rock, though, is this inner peace and tranquility and contentment. You know? Yeah, definitely. Your non-attachment to things. That's your rock. If your life is built on that, then nothing can fucking shake you. Yeah. Obviously, easier said than done, but... It's so gnarly, though, when you have things that really shake your foundation. When you have those moments in your life where everything shifts and everything gets flipped upside down. And you have to, like, find the stability in the rock again. What's so beautiful about those moments is they show you, for sure, what your foundation is. Because if your foundation, is, and I'm not saying that mine is, so you're saying my foundation is the is, Bible is bullshit. I keep I'm, I'm, your I'm foundation. At, this is, is where I'm at now. <laughs> I'm reading <laughs> like this is where I'm at. I'm doing a podcast about the Bible now. So that yeah, the, uh, no, no, I just think I think like when hardships hit you, that's why like a lot of spiritual teachers will talk about um, like you're never gonna really know true wisdom. Until you go through something, like, really difficult. Because otherwise you're never going to be able to see your foundation and make a change to it. Yeah. You know? Because it's so, it's, like, impossible for you to really see. You might think, because you, like, meditate every day, that you do have this foundation of inner peace and tranquility. But then that's not necessarily the way you react to stuff. Yeah. So... 
Because the wind and the storm, I feel like to me, the point of that story and the reason that I got it tattooed on my body was even at 18, I just, I like that verse because I felt like it's God basically saying the wind and the storm will always be there. Like no one's making any promises about life being some blissful, whatever. It's not. It's going to suck sometimes hard. So get it together now so that when it sucks, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Or figure out how to see properly, you know, so that when hard things happen, you can still see them as hard. You can still feel all that hardness. You can see it for what it is in your life as some kind of teacher or an opportunity for growth or whatever, along with the bad, you know, obviously like someone in your family passing is not a, it's not a net positive. It's still like a negative it's horrible to like lose your parents or a sibling or something, but it, there is good that could come of it depending on how you see it. And it could be an opportunity for growth, personal growth, or figuring out a new foundation for yourself because it, it shakes you so deeply to your core that it's one of those like, yeah, transformative moments in life where like you can actually see things for how they are. When you're just kind of like floating through life, it's so hard to really see stuff. And then when something really horrible happens, it does give you the opportunity, as horrible as it is, it does give you the unique opportunity to see things from a totally new perspective. Right. Helps you see what matters, hopefully, and what's worth uh, investing your time into and whatnot. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you usually don't learn tons when you're having fun, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know, when everything is like super rad. No. You're just like really in it. And, uh, yeah, it's usually those, those rough moments, all those teaching points, life lessons, yeah. re- relentless. Yeah. It's like, sometimes I'm cool. I like, I just need a week off from a life lesson. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, the rock. The rock. Why not end on the rock? We can end on the rock. Um, I mean, that is the last section, right? Yeah, that's the last section of chapter seven and (laughs) yeah we we made it a quarter of the way through that's great yeah just about yeah and like really not even i mean we did like waste like 30 minutes up top true not wasted but yeah we did we had a little intro we didn't get into the gospel talks probably for you know 30 to 40 minutes so that would put us at about an hour 45 but still you know we we dove deep into it we knew these tangents would occur. It's the first run. It's the first run, everyone. You, know, you got to give it a shot. And uh, Bible Buds, hopefully more episodes coming at you in the near future. Um, Definitely. We got to at least get through Matthew. Oh, yeah. We're going to get through Matthew. Absolutely. I, we have to. And we've already both done the work. <laughs> yeah. We have to show people now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, it'll be easy now that we've already done the work. Um, did you want to end it with the what the fuck did King James say? Did we, we never got into that. Uh, there, I did have one. Uh, we sort of talked about this, but it was in, it was in chapter five. What the fuck, King James? Yeah, so what the fuck did King James say? Uh, and the verse was, yeah, we're doing the, uh, 
the NIV version We're, yeah. of the Bible. Which the NIV is like just a modern version of King James, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one was about the adultery. And it says, uh, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. <laughs> It's just like, holy shit. Like that verse Set on fire. its own is so gnarly out of context of everything. Like it just makes the Bible sound like Game of Thrones. Insane. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane. No, it's not you. In such harsh language, thy whole body should be cast into hell. It's like, yo, what the f- Because my eye twitched? <laughs> Like, I didn't have a choice over that. My, because my eye twitched and I didn't want to pluck it out. Now I'm being thrown into hell. This is how, like, this is how, like, dumb people, though, used to think about. This is what priests would tell them. They'd be like, and the Bible says, whatever. And the, Or I guess, actually, maybe, I take that back. This is why, probably, Catholicism didn't want people to n- know how to read and be <laughs> able to read the Bible. I, I'm serious. And I'm not saying that was a good thing. But I bet there were priests who were just like, listen, these fuckers cannot read that. If they read that, we're going to have a bunch of people missing right eyes in the villages. <laughs> we can't let them. They need us to interpret it to them. So they shouldn't read the text directly because they're going to get super confused because they're a bunch of dummies. And I kind of like I kind of get that. I kind of get that a little bit. I don't think it was right, but I do like reading the text now, I'm a little bit like, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Well, it's and even King like James now, is, you know? is, I mean, that's an old version of the Bible. So. It's like now, not all, not everyone needs all of the information of the world. It's not beneficial no. for everybody to know it's not everything. Helpful. So, and I would love for anyone to distill it down for me. So, I'd love to distill it down for you, but I can't. <sighs> not not even as my Bible, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll always be your Bible, but. Oh, bud. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, I guess we'll put all like anything that's helpful in the episode notes, so people can follow along with this thing. And uh, more from Matthew to who come. Finally, we'll get introduced into this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, chapter he's nine. Not even a part of the story yet. So Jesus hasn't even asked him to be a part of the gay dating app yet. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even asked to be a part of Fishers of Men. It's a boy band, actually. Fishers of Men, dude. Fishers of Men. I put that that's was. Our first, yo, I think that's the first shirt, dude. Can I that's just research really quickly, really quickly, Fishers yeah. of Men band? Yeah. Because I just I, about guarantee that there's a Christian band called Fishers of Men. That'd be amazing. Also, I think maybe that's our first t-shirt. Are you a Fisher of Men? <laughs> I think we should get that for sure. Yes, and, sir. Uh, please. Dude, there are like... St- there are dozens of bands, there are dozens of bands called Fishers of Men. That's amazing. Oh, love it. Fantastic. OK, dude, we should get them on the podcast. That should be the goal. And we should definitely make them listen to the first episode before. They come <laughs> on. Hear me rip them apart. OK, that means they already probably have Fishers of Men T-shirts, too. We don't even have to get any made. It's perfect. We can just get. Just bring buy, them in, bring them into the fold. Buy those and resell them. Transcendent include, baby. Let's do it. All right. Well, be the salt of the earth or something. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you on Don't the flip side. Judge people. <laughs>